Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Hey, everybody! It's Star Trek's time. You mi- did you miss it? Too fucking bad. That's what we're doing <laughs> it's coming it anyway. Yeah, this is week eighty-two. God. So, like, don't look into it. But we are almost halfway through the weeks. Mm. Well, and and we're again, we're almost two thirds of the way through the episodes. I mean, I guess I'll say that this week. It seemed like the shows are in their own versions of um, hitting their stride or like in their primes. Like this was a decent crop of episodes, but more than that, everything feels lived in. That is true. And there definitely wasn't any, there were no Twisteds this week. There were no (laughs) Omega Glories. Or the most recent uh, Colossal (laughs) Failure, which was uh, Waking waking Moments. Waking Moments. The three point episode. (laughs) Three out of a possible 80. Ugh. Yeah, nothing like that this week. Just uh, regular bad. Yeah. Uh, you know how this works. Everybody knows how this works. If last you don't, week, you probably don't care. Yeah, last week the big loser was Enterprise with the augments. This week we watched The Forge. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Mutara Nebula? Uh, that's from Star Trek 3. It mm. is, um, it's probably the best part of Star Trek 3, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yes, once that's over, it's done. <laughs> You're like, yeah. okay, I get it, guys. We can, we can just call a fucking rap on this whole movie. The Chiron says Vulcan 17 years ago. Oh, good. A man with a terrible yellow glow stick is making his way through some caves, and he finds a bust bearing the inscription, Surak. Hmm. Back in the present. And there's no more time jumps. Good. Uh, Admiral Forrest is at the human embassy on Vulcan. And he is expressing to Soval how hopeful he is that the high command is finally ready for joint missions. Um, Soval claims that he hasn't been part of the deliberations. Mm-hmm. And he reveals that the Vulcans are worried about the pace of human growth and development. Because yeah, well, we they see, that. they see their old primitive self in the, in them. We hear that a lot <clears throat> about humans. It's kind of the story of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, there's an explosion. Uh, uh, we almost made it five minutes in Enterprise without an explosion. That would have been cool. 
We almost made it like a week without a terrorist incident of some <laughs> kind. An embassy bombing in this case. Yeah. Uh, back on Enterprise, uh, Archer and all his gang are shooting hoops. The mm. shooting hoops down in one of the little cargo bays. It doesn't even look like it's half court size. No. It's like if you played indoor soccer, like the tiny little soccer field. But then you did like half of that. Yeah. Um, anyway, T-Pole interrupts him to, uh, to tell Archer about the bombing. And they head off to Vulcan. And it turns out that Admiral Forrest didn't make it and 42 other people died too. Well, dang, that's the end of Mr. Forrest? That's the end of Admiral... That's a wrap on Admiral Forrest. He was so milquetoast. It's... Who who will Archer's next nice boss be? I think we know from this episode. It's going to be Soval. It's Soval. Oh, Soval. Okay. Soval's his new nice dad. Space dad. Um, well, uh... Forrest saved Soval's life, and he comes aboard with the head of the high command, Administrator. Hold on, I it <laughs> it's the same guy who plays Admiral Layton in DS Nine. Velas, yes, Velas. We get to see a lot of him this week. Yeah, this guy's all over this week. It is Admiral Layton, as you said. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, Stell, a security agent. I appreciate that you are writing their names down because I would never have done that. Well, otherwise, I just have to keep writing over and over again the security guy or <laughs> the head of the high command a, guy. I would have put Admiral Layton every time. Yeah, I guess that's true. Or I would have put uh, General Haig. Sure, yeah. He's General Haig in Babylon 5. <laughs> he never really gets around, huh? Yep. The 90s was his time, and I guess that spilled into the odds. Um, these guys briefly pitch an idea that maybe the Andorians did it. Of course, that's always... Option number one for the Vulcans. Uh, that don't make no sense to Archer, and I guess it doesn't even make that much sense to them because they're like, yeah, okay, we did have another theory. Yeah. That's probably the right one. Uh, we've got this weird breakaway group called Cyranites. They follow this guy named Cyrano. Cyrano. Oh. It's, it's, I wish. That would have been cool. Uh, anyway, they believe they're different. They're a slight, very slightly different religion, and we think they've been hurting aliens. Yeah. Um, but the embassy is uh, Earth soil, so Archer's got to send his two idiots down to investigate. He does not have any trained people to investigate a bombing, for sure. No, this is legit. The, it's the equivalent of could, setting Kira on the case. You could tell he knows that, too, because he sends Reed and Mayweather. <laughs> yep. What? The pilot? <clears throat> Mayweather. The ship's pilot. Mayweather, actually, his key skill in this case is exactly what happened. The ability to lift a big rock. Yeah. That's the guy, it. Oh, sorry. The guy who was born in space yes. and uh, <laughs> has, has no tie to Earth or Vulcan? Yes. Sure. Uh, anyway, as you said, he lifts up a big rock and there's an unexploded bomb under it. Oh, boy. So they get a transporter lock on him and Reed starts scanning it and they... They get a reading, they get some Vulcan DNA off of the thing, and then it starts beeping, and they fucking beam out, and it blows up. That's two explosions. Luckily, the Vulcans are a weird security state, and everyone's DNA is on file all the time. And so they they find a match, and this bomb appears to have been planted by one T'Pau. Oh, shit. A known Cyranite. T'Pau, how you like me now? perhaps a familiar name. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, at this point, 
uh, Stell claims jurisdiction over the investigation. Because I guess they don't need to dig around the embassy no more. Uh, yeah, now that they have their one piece of evidence, it's case closed. And then there's a scene from the X-Files, for some reason, where Archer's hanging around the morgue. And Soval shows up and tells him not to, to tells him to question everything <laughs> and not to believe anything. Right. And he's like, uh, also, uh, Forrest was my best friend. Yep. And we kissed each other tenderly or whatever. And then he, on the way out, he whispers, follow the money. And it, there's no, there should be a cut to Archer's face where he realizes that he's played this one wrong because he's real hostile towards Soval when he comes in. Mm-hmm. And there should be a moment where he's like, oh, this was not, I thought we were going to have one of our fights. I thought you were going to do the thing you always do where you make a sneering yeah. face. And I can tell because of what T-Pole told me that you can smell me, but I right. can't, I shouldn't talk about it. So I got to pretend the whole time it's about the words that we're saying. Um, speaking of T-Pole, her husband, Voss, nah, they can't be I Voss, just, comes I, aboard. I just would have said Stan. It's Goss. Okay. So, <laughs> comes aboard and he's got a present from her mama. Mm. And it's an it's an idic, mm. and uh, and then he says, "Oh, didn't you know your mom is a Cyrenite? Everybody's a fucking Cyrenite. It's Cyrenites all the way down." Yeah, uh, she's surprised by this though. This is news to T Pole. Yeah, it seems like these these old boys don't get along. T Pole and her mom. No, we kind of knew that though. Anyway, she uh, she goes to Archer and she says, uh, "Her mom left a fucking map for me in this idic." <laughs> Luckily, my dumb idiot husband didn't push the button, the <laughs> obvious button on it. Yeah. So it's all cool. Um, you and I, we need to go into this hellish desert and walk the path that Sirach walked and find the Cyrenites. Anyway. So uh, is that what? Okay. So T-Pole said that because I, after they had been in the desert for a while, I was like, yeah, why did they come down here again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's why. Okay. They're looking for. She's like her, her mom. mom. My mom wants to be found. She left me this map, and then these. So these two put on their desert gear and they beam right on down into the forge. Okay. All right. <clears throat> uh, do you remember when there was a threat in that episode that Archer was going to run afoul of a mountain lion? <laughs> yes. Yeah. A few weeks ago, when he had just, sex on top of that mountain or whatever. And instead, it turned out he had a, just had a dream about uh, <laughs> some fucking insectoids. The fucking insectoid Zindi coming at him. Or anyway, they, this time the lizardy type. I don't remember. This time they run afoul of a, a Salat, which is like a Vulcan saber tooth tiger. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's nothing. Um, but they're stuck up on a mountain for a little bit, and they don't even do it. Nice. Nah, he's he's, had, uh, he's had enough mountain sex. Right. I guess for a while, or maybe it's you know he's probably just real sweaty. Oh yeah, she already thinks he stinks. It's not going to be great. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Yeah, and he's she's not going to like the smell once he gets those uh, zip off knees pants off. <laughs> I presume they zip off those the always attractive convertible pants. That's right. Um, Flox tells Reed and Trip that the DNA on the bomb is planted. It's that same blood sample they took from Tapau when she was a baby. Ah, well, that's why they told us that they did that. So, so that later the, we uh, could just we could know that that's what happened. Right. So the not gay twins tell him, well, I need you to wake up the embassy guard. Uh, and Flock <laughs> says, no, he's definitely going to die. There's no way for me to wake him up. But they say, who gives a shit? They do say, who gives a shit? Uh, meanwhile, a Vulcan has showed up and done some Obi-Wan screeching to drive off this saber-toothed tiger. 
waved his arms all little, around and everything. Uh, it really is very similar to that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Archer pretends that he is there to learn the ways of Vulcan logic and the Teepole is his teacher. Mm. And so he sort of convinces this guy to, to take them into the desert. Yeah, I don't think that guy buys it even for one second, but like he doesn't question Archer on the spot. He lets him walk no. around for a while first. Yeah, exactly. He's going to he's gonna stick it to him, I guess, you know, in the daytime when it's hot. <laughs> That's right. When he's already under pressure. <sighs> uh, this guy's name is Erev, which Tipo says means desert wind with a tone of voice that suggests that she knows it's not his real name. Yeah, it's okay. It's a cool sobriquet. People are allowed to have them. Exactly. Yeah. Archer keeps trying to offer Tipol help that she doesn't need. Water. The only pair of sunglasses he brought for some reason. Yep. Uh, and then he just sort of has to drag his ass behind these two Vulcans through the desert. Does he not... Does he think she doesn't know what she beamed into? That is... It is as if he does... He keeps wanting to help her or protect her or something and then it's like and if this was smarter there would be more of a nod to it that he's like he has to come to terms with being the one who's the burden yeah because like here it seems like he wants to help her in a way where he gets to tell her she's not doing a good job kind of (laughs) to be like oh you forgot your sunglasses well that's what happens absent-minded t-pole always forgetting stuff yeah uh boy so uh reed Trip and Flocks ask Soval to find them a mind melder to try and get the information out of the brain of the embassy guard who is in a coma. Yeah, they're going to do a coma mind meld. They ain't going to wake him up. And he takes some convincing, but not that much convincing because it turns out that Soval himself is a secret mind melder. Yeah, that's a revelation. Yeah, a little bit. Meanwhile, down in the desert, the... Archer and T-Pole's party run from a sand fire, which is what they call it. It's a sandstorm, but there's lightning in it, I guess. Right. Into a cave, and they block up with rocks. Uh, This dislodges uh, T-Pole's idic, which she has been wearing around her neck like a 70s medallion, I guess. Yep. And now Erev recognizes... Uh, who she is, figures out who she and Archer are. And th- he seems to warm to them a little bit, maybe. And it seems like he approves of Archer's decision to uh, embarrass the Vulcans on Pajam. Yep. Yeah. Once he realizes he's that guy, he seems to be okay with it. But it's not like they're yeah. going to get to hang out for very long. They need the storm to pass. So anyway, they're, they're all... Uh, Hold up in this cave. Yep. Soval's mind meld reveals the bomber. He doesn't say who it is yet, but they do show us. So it's kind of just like, do you remember the? Do you remember who the extras are in this episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I say you seem really down about reading this? <laughs> I'm this, disappointed to read it. Yeah, is this episode not doing it for you. <laughs> uh, Aaron tells. Tipol, it's just because there's so much cutting back and forth, and I'm trying to figure out if I could skip around it. Oh, right. Erev tells Tipol and Archer that one of the Cyrenites carries Surax Katra. Yeah. Which means that it has to explain to everyone who didn't see Star Trek Three What a Katra is. What a Katra is. Remember. And like everything else, Tipol sort of doesn't believe it's real. 
Yeah, she really doesn't believe in anything Vulcan, human, or otherwise. Yeah. Well, she believes in the power of jazz. (laughs) Well, yes. How could you not? You enter a smoky future jazz club, and you hear some of those horns blaring. Good luck not getting it in your soul. Trip and Soval call uh, the administrator back up, and they confront him with this mind meld evidence that uh, his his, uh, little teenage son, Stell, is the bomber. Uh Uh-huh. And he's so disgusted to learn that Soval did a mind meld that he's going to drag him up before the high command. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, uh, our friends misplayed this as badly as you possibly could. They have their no well, evidence. J- uh, totally inadmissible evidence of a dude who was in a coma and they did a mind meld with, knowing mind melds are gross to Vulcans, and they just go in there and they just say it all. Yeah, essentially, that's right. They don't even uh, use it to, like, find more evidence. Archer's crew was not remotely qualified to handle this scenario this situation <laughs> yes but they guess they're the only ship that can get to vulcan <laughs> yep. so he's got to take care of all of this and then he and t-pole left yeah that's true so now this is all on trip the engineer who fucks aliens yeah he, his family lives in mississippi now they've moved to mississippi mm-hmm. from sarasota yep <sighs> which is sort of like the korean verb to disappear <laughs> that's how that you remember how it. Remembered it. That's right. Yeah. Like you disappear by going to Sarasota. Helpful, helpful mnemonics. Yeah. Whoo boy. Uh, the lightning breaches the cave. Okay, and Tipo gets lightninged real bad, and <laughs> yeah. then, and then Arav gets lightninged just even worse. <laughs> the lightning doesn't like Archer, so he's okay. He's lucky. It only gets Vulcans, and. Erev transfers a Katra to Archer. Whose? We'll find out. Time will tell. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's going to be, I haven't seen it. It's going to be Sir X Katra, right? It doesn't like Archer. It does like you. Mm. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry. Sure. So Val leaves Enterprise to uh, go try and convince the rest of the high command, I guess, that this is all. A false flag? I hate when science fiction does false flags. We won't have any more of that this week. It's fine. That's fine. Um, Meanwhile, T-Paul has recovered from her lightninging and revives Archer, but Erev is dead. Archer doesn't seem to remember the Katra transfer, I guess because McCoy also didn't. Ah, yeah. So they bury Erev and make for the sanctuary, about which Archer now has, like, a pretty good intuition. Yeah, he keeps saying like, it's this way. Yeah, he leads her through an illusory <laughs> wall, Harry Potter style. Yeah. And uh, then they are captured by Cyranites to be continued. So excited. So, Matt, what's this one about? Ah, uh, boy, all I could put was... Well, look, in one word, the topic of this show was conspiracy. So I put, everybody has an agenda, huh? This is a space <laughs> whodunit. So we aren't really exploring, like, concepts. Maybe in part two we will, but in this one it's just, like, conspiracy in space. Um, Just a three for me. Ben gave it a three also. And he says, don't fear otherness too quickly. Figure out what's below the the surface. And then he says, literally. Literally. (laughs) Because Archer's imparted with secrets in a cave. Uh, 
he he says it's not a deep take, but it's even deeper than what they actually did. So it's there's not a lot of points here. Yeah. By the way, this is his pick of the week. So he says it's an aim. It's sort of as aimless as the first half of a two parter. I got such bad news for him. I have such incredible <laughs> bad news for you, Ben. <laughs> that they were doing this now. There's this thing that they want to do. Where they go beyond two. Yeah, this is a three-parter. 50 pizzas uh, in 30 days. So this is act one of three. Yeah. And I don't think having a take was high on anyone's list. Absolutely not. And I think this is kind of a basic power corrupts. Like, people doing some crazy business, presumably to stay in power. Doing a dirty business in the high command to target some dissenters. Yeah, I think what would be fair to assume after this episode is that they fear the Cyrenites for some reason. Yes. Whether it is just the fact that they are dissenters or if they know some kind of truth, who knows? Mm-hmm. Like maybe Time if they knew tell. that nearly half the population could accept a symbiote, if there would be chaos. Something like that. Something like that, yes. So, sort I mean, along. we will have to figure out in two and three what that is, but I think it's pretty yeah. clear that that is what is going on. We know that they're doing a dirty business. Yeah. I mean, and why else would they have Admiral Layton there? We know he's no good. There are some hints. We we learned from Arif that the High Command didn't used to be as powerful on Vulcan as they are now, that they used to only oversee space exploration. Mm-hmm. And they were so, like Space you know, Force. They've been consolidating power, maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, you can't, you're not going to get a lot of points from me out of a non-nuanced basic power corrupts take. Right. Uh, I'm giving it a three as well. Okay. And the reason I pointed out that this is Ben's pick of the week is because that I guess the points are going to have to come after that. Because he yeah. only gave it a three on that one. Well, they come after that for me. So, swinging around to execution, maybe it's because the cliffhangers in the last trilogy they did were so bad. Yeah. Particularly Cold Station 12. Um, but I found the pacing and structure of this episode much more palatable. Uh, yeah, I agree. Both uh, both parts of this story end at sort of natural breakpoints. Archers reach the sanctuary, carrying someone's katra. The real bomber's been uncovered, and now that's the political part of the story. Yes. Up in space. There is probably too much Enterprise-grade CGI in this episode, particularly at the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, everything having to do with that embassy is bad news. It was particularly bad. Yeah. Uh, but I did think the music was pretty good in this episode. I thought killing Admiral Forrest was a pretty big decision. Yeah, they went for it. <clears throat> uh, I still have the feeling that there there doesn't seem like there could possibly be three parts worth of story right. here. Oh, it will be very disappointing. But we'll see what next week does. I actually thought the execution this week was solid. I gave it a seven. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, ben got as high as a five on this. He said... Uh, um. Well, what I pulled out was why the fuck are they all in heavy costumes and jackets? I think I, I assume presumably he's in the desert. In the desert, and my answer to that is baked potatoing. Yeah, that's they figured it out on Vulcan a long time ago. That's how you deal with it. You get your long sleeves, maybe a hood. You bundle up real good, and then you just go. Mm, I'm cooking. I'm cooking. Also, oh. you've seen Vulcan pets. What do you want to see a Vulcan tick? You're definitely gonna wear long pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, no exposure to either the elements or the uh, the wildlife out there. Um, I was a little bit lower. I was at a four on this one. Um, like you said, I guess we're just into big arcs now. We're going to do a bunch of big arcs with these fucking guys. Um, yeah. The missions kind of feel video gamey. Yeah, STO-like. 
in that uh, uh, you know you you well you, like you definitely have to push press F to scan the bomb for DNA residue <laughs> and then <laughs> you beam out yeah I you mean, go to this waypoint and talk to so and so now you gotta you gotta escape the sandstorm and you, I don't know um I can't say I'm super interested in what's going on in this one maybe the other two will be better my memory of watching this three parter was not great um. I guess it's nice to see Soval finally get on the right side. He's been, it was, we'll talk about this in characterization, but he has been softening to Archer th- over the last several encounters. Mm-hmm. I mean, the so. last time they met was in the office um, that's for the debrief. And he's like, you didn't try to save those Vulcans? And Archer acted like a maniac. But then at the end of the episode, Soval's like, I, I just had to, I had to ask those questions. You did a good job. I had job. to get that on record. You did a good job. You understand. Though. Yeah. Um, but in this one, he's all in straight up telling Archer, whatever you need, I'm here. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, but, um, again, why don't they use more strategy when they do their mind meld reveal? Oh, it's very bad, but it's honestly the second worst of these things this week. There's a, there's (laughs) such a wild stinker in Deep Space Nine that I lost my mind. (laughs) Yeah, they just come out and say it, which gives the bad guys a chance to do whatever they need to to cover it up. They don't either use it to help them search for better evidence or, like, keep it a, keep it to themselves while they find a way to out these guys or anything. They just tell the guy and his space dad. Everyone's got a space <laughs> dad. They tell the guy and his space dad, like, all about it so that they can go and just do whatever corrupt shit they need to do. It's just like... Anyway, the Vulcans still suck in a big way, and it's hard to understand why they seem to have become so elevated in, like, later Trek times. Uh, I Having not seen this, I am pinning my hope on this trilogy starting to put them in the right direction. That'd be nice, because they suck. Like, I'm genuinely hopeful, because this seems to be an episode about how the Vulcans suck. And maybe we're going to fix that now? Yeah, because I would have discarded... Because they've sucked since this show started. I would have discarded these fuckers as soon as I had all the big starships. I just would have gone. That's it. We don't need Vulcans no more. You're out of the Federation because you suck eggs every day. Um, uh, enjoy enjoy being a weird rump state surrounded by a bigger power. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it was pretty cheesy that as soon as they started talking about Katra's, this guy tried to put his in Archer. It was <laughs> yep. like two minutes later, the, the, the word Katra comes up, and Archer's like, what the fuck's a Katra? And then fucking a minute and a half later, the guy's like, remember. Like, remember. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, they were trying in this episode. I could feel the effort, but it didn't. It doesn't reach me, man. Oh, so it's a uh, it's a four for me. Um, this, this is how Music Man turns into the general at Area Fifty One. <laughs> Still wild. You felt his whole his whole career. You could see the whole trajectory when he was young. He got to play weird hippies, but then. By the time he's an older gentleman, he's playing hard-nosed general man. What about world building? Uh, the United Earth Embassy on Vulcan. Forrest is hoping to start some joint space missions with Vulcan. Uh, the Vulcans feel like Q does. That humanity is moving too quickly. And, and they tell them, go back to thine own system immediately. Yeah, they're wearing some real fucking Shakespearean gear, garb. Uh, basketball is still played in space. Uh, Cyrenites, followers of Surak, but I don't know, radical in some way. 
Maybe just do you think when he would you think when Archer was asked to play basketball, someone had to tell him it's like water polo on land? <laughs> we call it land polo. <laughs> oh, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> land polo, it is. I'd like to think that they the initial draft had like uh, seven pages explaining the rules of basketball, like that one episode where he just spent the whole time explaining the rules of water polo. Now, if you don't have the water to hide your hands, how do you twist each other's dicks? <laughs> You just gotta, but if the ref don't see it, you know, you just gotta make sure the ref can't see it. Um, cool, 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 cool. Uh, these uh, radical Sirenites may be responsible for a string of attacks on non-Vulcans recently, but that information comes from the bad guys, so who knows? Yeah, may not be true. Uh, in keeping with embassies being considered home soil, Earth is left to investigate this bombing, at least for a minute and a half. Reed can detect DNA on the surface of objects with whatever scanner he happened to bring down there. Not only detect, but sequence. He's even sequence. He brought his 23andMe machine. It's weird. It's weird that he even has that. He's the security officer. The weapons officer, whatever his role is. I guess if you're going to do a forensic investigation and that technology exists, you do want to bring it with you. It was smart to bring it, for sure. Um, But it did set off that second bomb. So, that happened too. Uh, I don't like all the fingering Vulcans do. It's a lot no. of fingering. It's like Finger City I, up in this bitch. I have never liked the way a mind meld looks. There's a lot of finger stuff with mind melds. For some reason, when they meet, they have to like touch fingers. Also, strong suggestion that it hurts. Uh, Archer thinks he was punched at the end. Yeah. Is there something extra hurtful about the Katra part? I don't Maybe know. Maybe he just, when he passed out, he just hit his face on that rock or something. It <laughs> could be. Maybe he, th- maybe he thinks he got hit by lightning like everybody else. Oh, that lightning was a real killer, huh? Whoa. I mean, not us, but it did. I mean, it did kill Arif. I shouldn't have said that. It's <laughs> actually pretty insensitive. Well, it's, oh, it's stupid Archer. Um, yeah, but they got to like touch fingers together when they meet. And that guy, oh, yeah. not Stan, but you know, Stan, he like tries to touch her on her neck or whatever with his finger. It's all gross. There's a lot of fingering. Uh, those electrical sandstorms on Vulcan, they seem to be pretty easily outrun, but, like, they do get into those caves pretty good. Because they fucking outran that thing into the cave. Yep. And then got zapped. Um, Surak is Vulcan Jesus, or Muhammad, or, I don't know, pick your prophet. Yeah, it's, well... He beat a bunch of people in battle. Thank God they don't tell us who. Yeah, he beat beat a lot of people in battle who marched beneath the raptor's wings and wanted to return to the old ways. It is a fun moment when Archer says, let me guess, without his original writings, there's been a lot of it's been subject to interpretation. Mm -hmm. It is a nice uh, swing at, I guess, all religions. Yes, I was going to say, all of the... Just taking a shot at all religions. Gene would have been proud. Yeah, that's right. Uh, like you said, those Vulcan cougars or whatever they are, uh, the Katra and all of that business. Archer got seemed pretty messed up by that mind meld. Um, the cheesy holographic caves out in the desert. I had it as high as a five. Uh, I was one less than you on this. I was a four, but Ben was as high as a six. So let's see what he liked. Uh, well, he doesn't like Admiral Forrest's outfit. He says it would be nice to know what these Surinites want and why. I assume we'll figure that out moving yeah, forward. Yeah, one presumes. So far, the one we've met seems reasonably cool. Yep, short-lived. Uh, the, 
the plane of blood, Vulcan in her eyelid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also said that the guy is Obi Wan, presumably yep. for the screeching. <laughs> yep. uh, maybe the first Vulcan human mind meld. Uh, yeah, was I mean you you got most of it. The the Idic, Mount Celia, the Forge, Cyrenites, Katras, the High Command. It's all Vulcan stuff plus the United Earth Embassy, but that got blowed up. So yeah, they do have um. Like real quick retinal scanners in that embassy. Yeah, they were pretty good. It was good stuff. <sighs> yeah, it's a four. And in terms of characterization. Okay. Sovol's changes don't seem fully motivated. Like you said, he's all in this time. Yeah. But he has been softening for a few encounters. Archer goes into this quest without even basic preparation on Vulcan beliefs. No. The guy asks some... At one point, the guy tests him in the desert about some basic shit. He hasn't even watched Star Trek IV, so he doesn't know those two questions. (laughs) And I knew the second... I knew the answer to the second one. Correct! I did not know... I did not remember the master of Vulcan philosophy who said the first thing. Now, if only you could master the last question. How do you feel? I do not understand the question. Yeah, well, uh, you're half human, Spock. The computer knows that. I don't know why it knows it, but it does. It knows to ask things like, how do you feel? But he should then turn to her and say, and how is it going to grade me on this question? <laughs> on the uh, answer to I this f- question. I feel pretty all right. I had a stomach ache earlier. Incorrect! I mean, I, I, mean, I did, though. Incorrect! <sighs> Nothing unreal exists? <laughs> Correct. Okay. <laughs> That's how you should be feeling, everyone at home. Um, I thought there was the potential for that for a scene where he realized that he was going to be a straggler. I think we talked about it, but it doesn't really happen. T-Bowl is oddly along for the ride for this one. Yeah. Like, she gives Archer this quest, and then she just walks through the desert with him. Yeah, does she care at all that he got the cool mind meld, or is it because she was down with lightning she don't, attacks? She don't know yet. No, she was down with the She lightning. don't know about it yet. Lightning burns. Uh, Phlox remains trash. <laughs> he, he, like, his objection to giving this guard a stimulant is that he, he didn't know what, he don't know what to, he can't bring him back to consciousness. Not that it would kill him or anything like that. Yep. He doesn't have medical ethics suddenly. No, that's good. That would be way out of character if he did. So, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm four on characterization this week. Okay. I was a five. We got Ambassador Dick Stink, whose name I always forget, but that's Soval. <laughs> Is, uh, he's grumpy that Vulcans can't figure out exactly what kind of racism to use against humanity. Because, you know, the Andorians are so easy to put in a box and... So are Vulcans and probably like Tellarites or whoever, but like, it's just... That is true. It does seem frustrating to him. We all know what to do about it. Uh, He's pissed about Forrest eating it. Like you said, they seem to be best buddies in some way. Maybe that's what motivates him to leap fucking all in on this shit, but it's not clear. Having met Archer must make Forrest seem very calm and reasonable. Like... I do assume that's why they got along so well. Yeah. He seems like the good alternative to Archer. Like, they leave, uh, Archer leaves, and Soval gives Forrest a look, like, what's this guy's deal? And then Forrest says, well, you know, he's a good guy, or something like that. <laughs> That's right. 
Uh, like you said, Soval is fucking deep throat or something now. Just like walking into dark rooms and giving them all that business. Um, can you hear me? I sure can. Okay, because my my a little thing came up and said my internet connection was unstable. Uh, all right. Uh, Flocks fucked around and got a triple double. <laughs> yeah, for some reason it's a comedy scene that he's just standing there, and now I don't remember if this is true or if my mind put it there, but he's just eating a sandwich, <laughs> waiting for that ball to get dribbled over to him. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. So he could fucking drop a sweet three, because apparently... Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's great hand-eye Denob- coordination. Denobulans can fucking shoot shoot hoops all day. Yeah, fucking shoot the J, shoot it. Um, uh, again, nice boss Admiral Forrest died. I didn't even remember that happened. So they got they. Well, it happens me. off screen, like it's as as with the uh, chronoton torpedo. Right. We just see he he starts to cover Soval as the thing explodes, but then later it's not that he's just blind. That's right. Yeah, it's a little it bit. Turns more out he did die. Yeah, yeah. He isn't like blind, but otherwise entirely fine. Well, this was a small bomb you could smuggle into an embassy, not a torpedo. So obviously, it does a lot more damage. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Archer has yet another personal mission to attend to now that his nice dad is dead. It's always personal for Archer. He doesn't even have to try. Shit just works out that way. He's not like Jordan. He's not like Michael Jordan, just fucking making up slights throughout the years. To motivate himself. I have not watched whatever this documentary is that everybody's watching, so. I guess you don't miss sports. Is that because you're able to watch Spy Party? That's right. Spy, Spy Party season is underway. All right. So We're two weeks in, so. Well, yeah. that explains it, because I have I watched all ten episodes of the Jordan doc, and so did Marshall. Uh, everyone seems to have liked it. It was good. You know, it was by the ESPN folks. They usually do pretty good with their 30 for 30 stuff. Um, We'll talk about it next week, maybe. Uh, T-Pold is grossed out by, again, Stan or whatever his name is. He comes in and tries to do some finger business on her. She's not into it. It's Koss. Do you care? His nope. name is Koss. I don't care. I'll call him Stan. T-Pold's mother is a Serenite now. So I guess this is a personal mission for T-Pold, too. Though, like you hey, said. Maybe getting shit canned from the Academy wasn't due to uh, T-Pold's actions at Pajam. Maybe it was because she was a damn Serenite now. She tells a lot of fucking lies, so... They're going to have to investigate themselves. They can't trust her mom to say anything about it. Um, Reed and Trip, Very sensitive about this comatose guy. Give me his brain, Doc! <laughs> I want to... I'll put my face into the brain and I'll see what he thought. Let me taste his thoughts. If I lick it, I'll be able to sense what he sensed. Give me the catfish, Doc! <laughs> um... Hoshi makes people listen to Klingon operas, we are told. Five for me. Yeah. Uh, looks like we covered everything that Ben covered, too. And what did he give? Uh, he was as much as a six. Okay. So, do you have any quick hitters? Mm. This is our special section, quick hitters, for thoughts that didn't fit into the other categories. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. It's good to explain it. We probably haven't done it since week one. Um, like you said, M- Administrator Floss or whatever his name is. That's Admiral Layton. Um, Tapau, how you like me now? I'm in the mix. It's 1996. Is that the one you don't want to be embarrassed in front of? You, well, if you're James Kirk, you sure fucking don't. Okay. I had worst actor candidate, young security Vulcan guy. Everything he said seemed terrible. Yeah, that guy sucked. 
Uh, did Teepole insist on burying that guy for religious reasons or to hide his body? It's a good question. Because she just says we'll have to bury him. But like she doesn't get into it. And then we're, we're in the next scene. We're moving along. In the hard, dry desert. I mean, like he's in that think cave. You wouldn't think they would really do burials. Maybe just put some rocks on him. <laughs> Give him the Kirk burial. If you don't want a Salat to eat him. It was good enough for Kirk. It's good enough for this guy. <laughs> Who the fuck's this guy? Well, everybody Kirk knew was dead, except maybe Scotty, so... <laughs> Depending on what, <laughs> how long I he guess, lived after he uh, came out of the uh, I, transporter. I guess Spock also was alive at the end of that, so... <laughs> that's true. His Boy, good buddy. And Picard knew both of those facts. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Huh. Just put some rocks Maybe over. he shouldn't have just built a rock cairn on that planet. You know, three minutes before that Nebula-class ship got here, to, could have easily beamed yeah. up his remains. It's fine. Just put him over yeah, some rocks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, Ben says the blowed up building model was stupid looking. Stick with the bad CG. Yep. I had a few. Uh, the dude in the opening, probably Siran, uh, needs a better flashlight. Yeah, it wasn't good. Like, it's 2020. Our flashlights are so much better than that guy's weird yellow glow stick. Um, the Vulcans never had to develop it because of their superior eyesight they didn't need to develop the good uh, one probably what it is maybe yeah. thank goodness this bust he found was of the only vulcan we've heard of uh-huh yeah otherwise they'd have to make up a new vulcan that's a lot of work. Oh, can you imagine if he just like looked at it and said varek and then we would have gone well that's nothing <laughs> they really do hate making up vulcans as you said to pow like yeah they just they didn't want to cover any new ground in this fucking thing what do you suppose they call the architecture style of this embassy because i call it wing commander four Mm. <laughs> just because of the same number of pixels yeah why did they hire a surly teenager for this security chief role i guess because he's the bomber he's very young i know but are we gonna is he supposed to be 70 or is he supposed to be 19 i don't that's, I don't that's a good question uh i think we got a look at the united earth logo once before but we get a lot of looks at it on the, all these coffins this time yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Why is there only a laurel branch on one side? Uh, we haven't earned it yet. Someday oh, in space, we'll learn that second yeah. one. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, of course, Soval is a melder. It's going to turn out they all are, right? Well, yeah. In the future, there is no talk about which ones can and can't. Like they all yeah. seem to be able to do it. So, hey, Doctor Flox, you utter quack. <laughs> If the mind meld was successful, shouldn't you be working a little harder on saving that guy's life? Nah, it's, he doesn't care no more. <laughs> like, his mind seems to still be working in there. They all got what they wanted out of that corpse. I guess so, huh? Yeah. And then, uh, did this old boy transfer his own Katra or Surax? Right. It's gonna be Surak, I know. But I think it would be interesting if it was just his. It must be pretty easy like, to like... I'm, I don't want to die here. My people believe in this. I don't. I doubt they'll get into it. But like, is it that easy? Is it? Is it another drop-down menu? Is it a well, dragon drop? Apparently, picked it up from a fucking stone statue. So, <laughs> I guess it is. It, it's got to be pretty easy. This fucking dragon drop is like. Do you want to get it from uh from the cloud, or do you want to get it from your your own device? Uh, I'll it's choose just my like device. The Vulcan brain is constantly scanning around for available Katras like a fucking Wi-Fi network. <laughs> Oh, oh one's just like, no, I don't. No, I don't want to connect to McDonald's employee lock. This is going to be it. way worse than LTE. I do not want this. Yeah, 
Um, I think that's it. I gave best actor to disgusted Veloz. <laughs> he was uh, not. By the way, I didn't know whether they told that old man that Vulcans didn't have emotions. Or that they oh, suppressed yeah. them. Uh, but it makes it like his disgust is too much for him to take. And he fucking turns around. Yeah, that's I thought that was pretty good. Uh, worst actor you've already mentioned. Uh, Stell yeah. is very bad. Um, I also thought uh, Strider. I mean, Erev <laughs> was not doing his best work. I think sure. in the opening scenes. Yeah. Oh, you know, what they should have uh, got they should have got the guy. Who played them in talking? Oh yeah, that guy was fucking great. Uh, the crazy guy who wanted to shoot God. No, no, I know the guy. I'm just trying to think who he looks like. Um, Is he one of these fake Sam Neils that's always yes, running around? Yes, he's 100 a fake Sam. Okay, Neal. one of these fake Sam Neils that are constantly showing up in Star Trek <laughs> yes. and frustrating you by not being Sam Neil. Every time there's like just a half second, we're like, "What? I get Sam Neil for that?" Oh no, that's nah, not it's, Sam Neil. Well, it's plausible because he did those Jurassic Park movies. It's not like he wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I've got the feeling he got a payday for those though. What are they going to pay him Probably. on Star Trek? They're going to pay him in Thir- fucking 3D chess sets. Those <laughs> things are actually quite valuable. They should have paid in those. <laughs> they only made so many of them. Yeah. Uh, third place last week was Voyager. This week we watched Hunters. <laughs> that was a weird noise at the end. Um, Voyager gets a message through that relay network they were using last week. Uh, it's from Starfleet, but they find that much of the message is stuck at one of the relays along the way that's a few light years away. You know how radio signals get stuck. They get stuck at a station. You have to go to the radio station to get to get your radio program. You're like, Jasbo got stuck. Can you guys... I came to listen to Jasbo. Can you let me it hear it? It just keeps playing the part of the theme song about uh, Harrison the Owl, and no one believes that that's real. So I want to hear the part about the Purple Grotto. Can you... I just... I came... I Thank you for letting me inside, sir. Um, the radio station here, does it have the Jasbo? Because it got stuck. I can't hear it on my radio. We detected that most of the Jasbo show was here at this radio station, so <laughs> the can we get it, please? 58 and a half minutes of Jasbo, it seems like it's got, it got held up. So I'm going to be out here in my car. You can bring it out to me if you want, or I could stay here and we can just listen to it together, but I assume you have it. Uh, anyway, so they got to go investigate that. Those dudes that Seven was pretty rude to last week, you know, like who she electrocuted. Um, they've also detected that signal and they used it to locate Voyager. So they, uh, they moved to intercept them credits. Uh, the doctor goes to C7 and finds that she hasn't even regenerated in 58 hours. That's, does she have emotional problems? Why does she keep doing this? I don't, he tries to tell her that she needs to get her ocular thing, uh, fucking realigned. And then also, like, just regular old sleep, I think. But she's been working hard on retrieving this dumb message for some reason. That she cannot possibly care about. In fact, in this episode, she tells Janeway, I cannot possibly care about getting back to Earth. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not possible for me. Even if I really tried to work it up, I can't. I focused up on it pretty good, and it's nothing's coming. But yeah, she. I mean, Janeway does fucking blow her mind. 
immediately after that by saying, what if you've got a cousin? Yep. Or like, um, uh, what if like your grandma's an admiral? Just huh? possible. Huh? A woman giving orders to a man? What do you think of that? Huh? I'll let Is you that... make the banar if you get this message. Is that anything? I'm sorry. I've been reading some old log entries. Is, is she going to let her make the banar if she decodes it? I notice you're not trying to make the banar. Is that... Is that because you respect me so much? Um, <laughs> anyway, she's been working hard on retrieving this message, but she got like six words of it done or something. Uh, Voyager gets within a couple light years of the relay and starts to hit some gravimetric disturbances somehow. That's a really large area. Um, they also come across a ship adrift with a dead pilot. Mm. Uh, not just dead. I would describe him as extremely dead. Yeah, they beam him up and they find out all his organs are gone. They all got taken. And his bones. His bones, too. <laughs> he lacks bones. It's like a lot. Of, I wonder what they picked up, actually. It's just skin. Does he have less life signs when all of his organs and bones are gone? They They were able to detect from Voyager that he was male and dead. Yeah, it's pretty good. But not that he had no bones. <laughs> they didn't know where to look. That's, that that's fun a tricky surprise one. was waiting for them in sickbay. Yep. Uh, when Voyager gets close enough to the relay station, they're able to download more data from the message. It includes letters from home. Neelix gets to be the mailman. Um, Seven finds that there's another coded transmission that's like in the deep code layer. It's like underneath yeah. the other message. And but um, Starfleet did not trust them to figure this out on their own because they, their message begins, study this message carefully. I suggest you look at this as an opportunity. Not a burden. John, do you see what I'm saying here? It's an opportunity. <laughs> I'm spiking the lens as hard as I can. My <laughs> lieutenant's just shaking his head, but we gotta listen. Um, yeah, they are, they really pointed out, so anyone would really be able to figure out what's going on here. Anyway, she can't, somehow without decoding it, she knows it's got maps in it, but. Yep. Anyway. Well, she is the map expert on this ship. She, she really is. She, she set up that great system that can make all the political boundaries change. At the oh, hour. did Leonardo da Vinci draw some maps? Get him to seven. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, but, um. So she's going to work on that, but the Janeway suggests to Seven that she may um, have some family at home, like you said, and she has never, never considered that that kind of easy to wrap your head around fact that she no. might have family. Uh, Chaco gets a letter from a Maki friend that makes him sad. Kim is bummed out about not getting one. Tuvok's busy doing his damn job and can't read his, but Neelix read it, so it's cool. Janeway gets a letter from uh, the universe's most perfect living boyfriend, Mark. It makes her sad. Mm, Chaco and Balana come to terms with, spoiler alert for this project, the end of the Maquis. <laughs> it's a big fucking spoiler for us. Yeah. Voyager's two years in our future. Yeah, the Maquis, got, they got they got got. Uh, well, it, spoils, it spoils even more than that, but we'll, we, we don't need to address it here. Yeah. Uh, TP claims not to care whether he gets anything, cause I'm bad news, and you don't you don't want anything to do with me, Harry. Oh gosh, oh jeez, Harry, I wish I wish my parents would send me a letter and teach me how to play a woodwind. Oh gosh, I hope one day Robert Duncan McNeil gets to hear this impression. <laughs> 
Uh, Kim remains bummed out. He isn't getting mail. But not while we're on our current host, please. Oh, you think he's going to bring a, just a big audience, or are we one I want away? the hammer coming down. Are yeah. we, are we one, also are we one person uh, away? What if, he, what if he just did a, like a real binge and tried to download all of the episodes <laughs> at once? I think that'd, that'd be, be it. It'd be the end of us. Um, real talk. How hard would it be for you to transfer to another, another provider? All it would take is time. Okay. Because I can feel that we're right around the corner. Our time is almost here. Uh, it does feel like it. We're about to fucking break loose. That's not what people say. We're about to fucking fat dog. No. Nope. What do people say? I can't figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. There's an expression and we're about to do it. <laughs> fat dog for midterms. Um. All right. So uh, let's see. Seven suggests to Janeway that she could take a, a shuttle closer to the relay station and maybe get the rest of that message before it degrades. They really feel the need to get very close to this relay station. Yeah, even though it's it shakes everything. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shaking going on. A whole lot of shaking in my heart. Janeway agrees and says Tuvok will go along with her. Good, they're best friends. Seven and Tuvok chat for a bit in the shuttle before they're attacked by an approaching ship. Uh, yeah, Seven reveals here that she kind of needs Janeway's approval. Like, Janeway's her new mom, and she her feelings are hurt when Janeway says you have to take Tuvok with you. Yeah, she gets real butthurt about it in the room, and then she has to ask Tuvok all about it. Um, He says it's standard procedure, but, like, I don't know. I don't fucking buy it. Uh, anyway. So they it chat- has never prevented one person on the shuttle from being killed. Just ask Neelix. <laughs> That's true. It didn't help him. You know what you have to do. You know what you have to do. Um, he asks the questions in the shuttle, by the way, that we were asking about. Why Why are you working so hard? What difference does it make? And that's when she says that she fucking needs that approval so bad. And the thought yeah. that Janeway doesn't trust her. What's the opposite of horny? That's what it makes her. It's a, it's a good question, Matt. What is the opposite of horny? Oh, let me take a note. <laughs> Um, anyway, they're overpowered by this uh, ship that's attacking them. They get knocked out by a beam thing. Yeah, how far did they go from Voyager? Because Voyager doesn't know any of this is happening. They can't talk to Voyager. Oh, yeah, the whole point of this shuttle is that it can, like, handle the gravimetric right. stress better. I guess because it's small. So, but, like, I guess... Obviously, not just by a little. Yes, I think they got pretty far from Voyager. Um... TP finally gets a letter from his daddy, who he hates, but, like, Balana's still working on decoding it. Yeah, she calls him down just to tell him that there will be a letter. And then he says a pretty rational thing, like, oh, all right, thanks for telling me, I gotta go back to the bridge. And then she's like, what's wrong with you? All my friends are dead. My friends are dead, and I'm mad at you about it. And he's like, yeah, but I'm, like, I'm on duty. I actually just left the ship. I just I cranked the, throttle, the cranked the throttle and then I just let it go. So I should probably go actually, back there. I actually just put a fucking bungee cord on the steering wheel. I think we've just been turning in a slow <laughs> circle to the right. So uh, I should get back up there. Yeah. So they have a little fight because they're always fighting. But um, uh, Janeway tells Chaco her boyfriend Mark. You know Mark. Um, he got married. Yeah. So that's bummer for her. The uh, the shuttle comes up on Voyager sensors, but they detect no bones. 
So they've no learned bones in it at all. They've learned since their last encounter with the ship that they need to search for bones. Um, yeah, they ain't on the shuttle and they wake up on this alien vessel. Uh, it is sure in the enough, bone room. It in the in the bone room where the bones are, and sure enough, uh, it's those guys, the guys that she electrocuted last week. And one of them comes in and complains about how easily they were taken and how it was a garbage hunt and their garbage prey and a lot of really judgmental stuff. But, like, they didn't know. They didn't know they yeah, were Yeah, they didn't even know they were being being preyed upon. Yeah, they give them a real shot. Jeez. Anyway. The tiger preys upon people every Friday. I've heard I don't that. I if you remember that. I've heard that from Duo. <laughs> Duo's got some crazy stories if you get them a little fucked up. Not too fucked up, though, because he gets <laughs> mad horny. But No, just two beers. Yeah, That's just, enough for Duo. Well, he's got work in the morning, so he can only do two beers. <laughs> Ah, still, he claims these two as relics of the chase, and yeah, he puts paint on Seven, I guess, to fucking mark her. Uh, and then he tells his comrade. I mean, to be fair, he put paint on his own head, but it was a different color. Yeah, he has, he's got to put the, the claimy, and then the claimed. They got two different, two different paints. He tells his comrade that no one else will ever have any of these cool relics, because he's going to blow up Voyager. So he's the winner, or whatever. Um, Janeway fails to negotiate with the guy because she's not good at that. That's not her strong suit. So it's very, it's very much on like Donkey Kong at this point. There's a yeah. lot of these other guys. The more of their ships are coming. They got three more ships coming. Yeah, it's a lot of ships. Uh, Voyager's plan is to shake the shit out of these guys with that with a new gravimetric disturbance that they create. Um, a fight ensues, and uh, the relay breaks apart, and uh, it's got a singularity, a quantum singularity, as its as its fucking power source. Yep, which is very surprising to everyone, because... They've never heard of the Romulans. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, it eats all the Herogen ships, and um, Voyager beams up Seven and Tuvok at the last minute. A lot of drama. Um they're almost eaten by the black hole themselves, but don't worry, Technobabble. I don't know what happened. They got out. Um, Chaco and Janeway talk about how now she's free to fuck whoever she likes. <laughs> she calls him in to tell him that, and then he's just like, yeah, it's a big galaxy. <laughs> you bet, I bet if you looked hard, you could find somebody, but, you know, I'm busy, so. And then Neelix throws a party, I guess, to celebrate war in space. That's the end of this one. What was oh, it about? Boy. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask. I know, sorry, it's the format of the show. I, I, wish I, I don't want to ask. This I don't want to be this one. guy who has to ask this every week. It, it, it was a tough one because I think I think that what the show is about is shitty. And so I'm mad that I couldn't think of anything better. Uh, but I don't have anything better than don't get your hopes up. <laughs> okay. I wanted there to be more of a take, but it's like everyone is real disappointed with their letters from home. Yeah. Even this short-sighted Herogen asshole is too excited about these new relics to think straight. Yeah, he's really, like, he's a real, I don't know, con or, I don't know, name a boss in Star Trek who doesn't listen to their fucking lieutenants. He's that guy. Yeah, well, so so all of them, then. Yes, (laughs) because this guy's like, that's a dumb idea. Your idea sucks. There there should be a scene where Chakotay calls the littler Herogen first officer to first officer. And he's taking his senior pictures, and it's a real to-do. It's a whole thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what a lackluster take, and it sucks that I couldn't come up with anything better, but um, there you go, two points. 
Yeah, I was kind of in the same space. I have, is this another be careful what you wish for? Like, they're all fucking hyped up about the letters, but it's mostly bad news. And all the shit attracts the Herogen, which is bad. And then the whole relay goes down because they can't make friends with anybody in space. So, like, it all kind of turned out bad. So I guess that's it. Be careful what you wish for. So, I mean, Ben has shared hardships make strong bonds, but, like... Dude, Tuvok and Seven are on that ship for, like, three minutes. That is, like, a small part of the episode. They don't team up to do anything. No, they sit there in their fucking bonds for a while, and then I guess they break out, but, like, they just get beamed up real quick. Yeah, they kind of just get beamed out. Uh, he gave it a three. I uh, I also give it a three. So we are not off to a good start with Voyager. Maybe they executed better? Maybe. Uh, Ben's got a three on that as well. Um, he says they end the episode by teasing the Chaco-Janeway relationship again. But he also asks who cares. Just I mean, I don't have any confidence that they're going to do that and make the show about that. It's not news radio. No, but like what why? happened in episode one? That's right. Well, if if the sensitive asshole who was running news radio was running Voyager, <laughs> definitely what happened in episode one. Then also would have, been a be- would have been a better but weirder show. Yes. Also, then the creator of Voyager would have given an interview where he talked about how his time slot was a sh- open face shit sandwich. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. <clears throat> It wasn't, right? Voyager was the flagship show of the network, so oh, yeah, they wanted... I'm, sure it, I'm sure it had a good time slot. That UPM business. As was this, then The Watcher. Yeah. On these two programs, we will stand. <laughs> UPN! That's, that sounds like enough to build a network. Malcolm and Eddie! I imagine that's how their, uh, I don't know, like their yearly company-wide meeting started. Um, everyone has to shout Malcolm and Eddie. Uh, all the exploration of the crew's hopes and fears, uh, kind of falls flat as a fucking pancake. Cause I don't care about them or their hopes or fears. Also, our introduction to the Herogen was not gripping. No. I mean, they're at least trying something kind of new. Like they aren't stronger than the Borg. Which is nice. Nor are they, like, really unified. They seem to be uh, fighting with each other over prey. Um, But they also don't suck at everything, like the Kazon. And they tried to give them some cultural stuff. Like, you get a lot about the Herogen in this episode and what they value. It's just that what they value makes, makes you wonder how they even got into space. It does. And also, it makes it very clear that this relay is not something that they built... Oh, yeah, we learn in this... It's for sure something they found. Yeah, this relay is supposed to be like 100,000 years old or something. Um, I don't know. We'll see how quickly we get sick of the Rogen. But um, they were trying. Trying some stuff there. Uh, Cutting off the link from home makes last week feel like a big waste of time. And I already didn't enjoy most of last week because we had to have two EMHs. But, like, it was a rare pleasure for something to go right at the end. And for steps to actually be taken to get them closer to Starfleet. And now that's just gone. So we'll see what was in that cool coded transmission they downloaded. I mean, do we know it's gone? Like, we know it's shut down. But are these idiots not even going to try to restart it? I don't know. I'm... 
look, we know they're capable of staying in the exact same part of space for two years. <laughs> so maybe they're just going to fly from relay to relay trying to turn them on or whatever. But I don't know. I assume they'll just figure out what's in that coded transmission. Probably. Because they did download that. They didn't get all the letters. They got the coded transmission and they'll have to decode it later. Um, It was a four for they're, me. I think they're, I think they're putting their... Um their big ace harry kim on that right on decryption is he ever gonna like are we ever gonna not have to hear about him in seven because i don't i don't want to hear it anymore uh well i guess balana's gonna keep teasing him about it balana sucks have you noticed she's got a real out of maybe jealousy it's her motive she hates seven of nine and so her motivations much. about it are not clear it's at all not, it's not like her family was killed by the borg or something it's actually very weird yeah uh, what they did was they saw how um, Kate Mulgrew reacted on set, and they were too worried to put it into her <laughs> character because they didn't want to piss her off. So they just threw so it they straight it into Bolana. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, I give it a four. Okay. Uh, what's Ben on this one? He was a three. Yeah. He says uh, hey, the stuff about Chaco and Janeway. Yeah. Uh, he also makes a guess that they used force perspective to make seven and two shorter than the Hirogen. They didn't. They just hired seven feet tall people and then put them in lifts. Well, so I... And that's why you get seven foot tall acting? Yes. That's right. That's what happens, guys. Actors come in a reasonable size. I mean, there's probably one or two real good seven foot tall actors, but if you need to hire a bunch of them... Odds are they don't even know because they got thrown in at fucking center when they were 12 years old and that was that. Not all of them are going to be able to read. <laughs> uh, if, but it does make me he... say, is the big Herogen Tony Todd? That's what I had on my notes. And I looked it up and it was somebody named Tiny Ron. <laughs> you know, one of them ironic nicknames. Wait, Tiny Ron is not the guy with the golf ball goes on his foot in Happy Gilmore, is he? Wait, hold on, let me look. Uh, nah, he's some other guy. Okay, good. Some other guy, he was in uh, The Rocketeer. All right. Well, and, good for uh, him. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. So, uh, a storied career. Yes. Uh, if you told me that this was the last time we ever saw the Hirogen, I would believe you. If you told me I would see them six more times this season, I'd believe you. Yeah. But either either way, they don't come off as super menacing this week. No, they don't. They definitely did not. Again, they weren't like the new threat to contend with. They were like, look at these fucking D-bags. Yeah. I suppose the coded message is meant to set something up, and it was a little bit nice to think about the Maquis again for the first time in a long time. Yep, but that was it. Because <laughs> they, they abandoned it so quickly in season one. Uh-huh. The idea that these people are in any way different. They abandoned the it, Starfleet except crew. for occasionally Chakotay will give somebody some weapons, some alien, and just go, it's the Maquis way. That's how we do it. <laughs> Oh, so no great shakes this week, but frankly, most episodes of Star Trek, not even just Voyager, are less watchable than this, so they did earn some points. I, I gave them a five. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Uh, world building. Ooh, quantum singularity power, the putative end of the relay network, mysterious, a mysterious Starfleet message, and a little bit about the Herogen... Uh, I only gave it a one. I don't think world building was what this was about, and I don't think they bothered to do any. Just because you figure whatever happened this week ain't going to really matter? or I mean, 
like you don't need anything this week to explain why the Hirogen are mad at them because it seems like the Hirogen <laughs> just want to kill things. So that's true. And so you don't even need the stuff where Seven's real mean to them because they Seven didn't even bring it up. Them. Seven shocked them last week. That don't seem to be their motivation this week. No, I don't care. They're just like, hey, you're in our zone, and also we want your intestines. <laughs> We're just gonna wear them because we want to put your bones them. in one of our bone hammocks. Ladies love it when I wear intestines. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I asked you for the clarification is because Ben gave it a seven in world building. So I wanted to <laughs> set that up. <laughs> yeah, Ben gave it a seven. Um, the things I pulled out, the funny bindings Tuvok is in look more BDSM than menacing. They don't restrict it's just his movement. Some, it's just some belts and straps. Yep. Harry can now tell what a Herogen ship is like on scanners. Yeah, I guess maybe they match the energy. Sig- it doesn't matter. And he gives the he points. He does know it's Herogen. He gives the points here, I think, for no more Maquis, but like that doesn't happen in this episode. That's world. That's world building in Deep Space Nine because in season six. It's because of what we're doing. This is the first we're hearing about it. But they're just being informed of something that happens in some. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll find them meaningful DS Nine episodes. Um. So yeah, he was a seven on on world building. Uh, I was closer to you. I gave it as much as a three. Uh, what did I write down here? Species five one seven four. Is that what that guy was without the bones? I don't even remember anymore. No, that was a different dude that was also found with all of his bones gone. <laughs> That's true. And the Borg, yes. and the Borg were like, okay, <laughs> we don't care about this. But uh, they don't seem to have ever found the Herogen. Okay. Or at least they haven't tied this all together. Maybe we'll learn their species number later. Uh, the relay station uses a quantum singularity as a power source. Chaco was fascinated by that. I guess he ain't heard about Romulan ships. Voyager is uh, just finding out about the Dominion War and the end of the Maquis. Rules about away team sizes. That relay looks just like the caretaker. Well, anyone going to talk about it? No, because they don't notice that it does. Well, they should open their eyes. That it is 100% a reuse of another model. You know, Voyager creators, you can't reuse the Caretaker model because the Caretaker is very important in the show. It's important to Voyager. It's it's why they're there. If they found one, they would be very excited because they think maybe they could get home. You can't just use the Caretaker model and go, ah, some kind of relay station, I guess. Look, I mean, we bagged on the... uh, on the CGI and Enterprise, well, every week, but even this week, <laughs> yeah, like even just ten minutes ago, yeah. Um, this is the flip side of that, right? Which is that in all other Star Treks, just you're just like, well, that's just that Uridian destroyer or, or model, but turned upside down. <laughs> yep. And I guess these guys fly it backwards. Backwards, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, or just like, uh, you know, how big is a Klingon bird of prey? Or yep. yeah, yep. all kinds of nonsense. Every well, how come every ship is an Oberth now? Why yes. is that? Yeah, if we got the TNG in it, it was just all Oberths. Yeah. Why That's is a- it this super old? Why is every ship in the fleet this old ship? For the questions will really come up is in DS Nine when you go. Okay, now we've moved to C- we've moved to CGI battles and everything. Why is everything a Miranda? What's happening? Yeah. Why is every ship a Miranda? Um. Anyway, that uh, relay is a hundred thousand years old. They estimate. Uh, this Herogen thinks Seven's intestines will get him laid. I like that these Herogen are motivated the same way everybody else is. <laughs> yep. What's going to get him that fucking puss? <laughs> uh, yeah, so three for me. 
Uh, well, what about characterization? Mm, also a three. Okay. Um, we are going to end up a little bit apart on this. Well, oh. maybe. I don't know. I'll have to do the math. Everyone is still wildly optimistic in the beginning about all these great letters or whatever. Um, the doctor's ego continues to swell. Neelix reads other people's mail. I bet everybody knew that. Yes. He's the worst choice for mailman. He's not going to read your personal letters. He's like the most motivated, which I think is how he gets all the jobs. But like, he's a real fucking piece of shit. Tuvok's a grandfather now. Chaco and Balana are real upset about the end of the Maquis. I mean, Balana more than Chakotay, it seems. I think Chakotay maybe accepted his Starfleet role a little bit, a little bit easier. Uh, like I said, even though they're both model Starfleet officers now, they are pissed about the Maquis. Um, <laughs> Balana didn't even know TP has an Admiral Daddy, so I guess they don't talk much. It doesn't seem like they talk that much, huh? Yeah. TP is so fucking cool. He doesn't care. Maybe about she tried, like she tried to talk about his family one time, and then he couldn't get hard that night, and she just doesn't bring it up anymore. <laughs> she should. She's started... like, I get it. I don't like my family either. So she should have started talking about skiing. That's what he really loves. Yeah, it's the only thing he loves. Uh, he's so fucking cool. He doesn't care about these letters from home, except obviously he cares a lot. He thinks he has it better here in the Delta Quadrant than at home. So I guess Harry was right back in Mar- Marseille. When he met him at that <laughs> fucking bar. Sandrine's? Yeah. Um, well, it's wild that you remember that that's Marseille. <laughs> well, because it wasn't the joke. They were. It would have been funnier, or they thought it would have been a good joke if they met Tom Paris in Paris. So they yeah. changed it to Marseille. I don't know. Seven wonders if the captain trusts her. Janeway loves coffee. Is sad about Mark. And thinks she beat the Borg. <laughs> she does. She she says in this episode. The, I guess she forgot the part where Cass flung him 10,000 light years. She says in this episode. It's how I beat the Borg. One, how I beat the Borg. Me, mm-hmm. singularly. And She t- spent a lot of that episode unconscious. And two, I guess she forgot that Chaco warned her the whole time that they were definitely going to betray them. And then they yes. betrayed them. Yep. And then, like you said, Kess had to use her magic power that she just gained when she yeah, when luckily, she mastered the Kess five was magics. Fucking becoming, she mastered the five magics and she learned med- medical school and she moved yeah. to ten thousand light years. Yes, like Ironheart, she was becoming. And her memory of that is that she beat the Borg. She beat the Borg. Yeah, for sure. That's how her memoirs will say it. You know what? I just I docked it. It's a two. This is how she ends up a fucking admiral in. Um... <laughs> yes, you have to have the ego for sure. When, which one does she appear as an admiral in? First Contact? Is she the one who doesn't want Picard to go? I don't think so. I think she's in the last one. Shit, it must be Nemesis then. Yeah, she's in Nemesis sh- or shitty fucking Nemesis. Because there's another admiral who's bad in Insurrection, so it must be Nemesis. Yeah, she's not the guy who gets his face stretched, for sure. Um, Yeah, I had it as a three, but that point about her thinking she beat the Borg actually had me docking to a two. <laughs> it's a two for me. <laughs> Uh, ben was a little bit more charitable. He gave it a five. Seven's devoted to the captain, working huge hours for six words of text. Tuvok admits Vulcans can lie. They just usually don't, and it's nice to hear a Vulcan actually say that. That's true. Um, what about you? Well, 
let's I guess let's read through it and then I'll assess what my actual score is. Okay. Uh I think that the main idea that everyone is confronted with emotions and expectations they've been putting off. Okay. Like everyone has been not thinking about a bunch of stuff. Mark, the Maquis, etc. Right. Yeah, they're busy. And now they're face to face with it. I think that main idea works pretty well. Okay. Um Tom Paris's arc is very predictable, but it sort of works to have him be a baby about it on the day that Bellana gets all the Maquis news and just can't sympathize with him because no one should sympathize with him. I guess if, dumb the, shit. if the whole point is to hate TP, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry Kim seems worried that his parents are somehow disappointed with him, I think. For getting lost. Doesn't it seem like that? Like... He- they raised like him at first he's that. like, oh, where's my letter? I want that letter. But then by the end, he's turned around like, there's not going to be a letter. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> disowned me. He's like, hey, wait a minute, buddy. What's going on up there? We raised him better than that to get lost in another quadrant. Um, I think that needed more fleshing out. And I think Seven was a little quick to accept Janeway's you should care about Earth because you could have a cousin there argument. Yeah, she should be like, But on the other them. hand... On the other hand, her concern about Janeway's trust seemed a little better motivated. Okay. So. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Uh, quick hitters. None from Ben. Uh, Chakotay is so immediately worried about what's going to be in these letters that I assume he's got, like, a bunch of baby mamas at home. <laughs> Maki style. That is how they do it, the Maki way. And I guess Harry Kim must have got emotional closure about that girlfriend of his when he decided that Tom Paris was better off dead uh, because all he's worried about are his folks. No, I don't know how it ended with her. If Did he end it before the Voyager tour or were they dating? Because it seems like they were dating. But you're right. He does not ever be like, ooh, I wonder if Lippy sent me anything. He doesn't care. J- Janeway's letter says, uh, Dear Catherine, I was just reminiscing about the birth of Millie's puppies and how long ago that seems. You should see how big they are now and how well they get along with my new kitten. (laughs) Yep. Things at work are still crazy. The production schedule never seems to let up. However, I need to relate some rather difficult news. Oh, boy. Since you've been gone, it's been so difficult for me to... And then that's where the end of the legible part. Dude, how hard did that guy lie about that fucking dog? That dog is dead. I better come up with a lot of details. He's going to want to know everything that dog's been up to. Well, he's found out that it's that she's still very, very far. Like, she is alive, so mm-hmm. that's scary to him. But she is very, very far away, so he's like, dogs don't live that long. <laughs> yeah, she I can that always dog go, be dead. I can always go buy some puppies and a kitten if I need to fake this shit. <laughs> hollow dog, dude. Yeah. Just do a hollow setup. Uh, but fuck this dude for marrying someone from work. Yeah, right. Look, that's who Mark spends time with, Okay. You know, he seems like a life. real drip. That's all I'm going to say about Mark. He's the perf- He's the universe's most perfect living boyfriend. How dare you? Uh, Seven nailed these guys when she told them they were just big. <laughs> it was a pretty good <laughs> insult. She's like, only your physical size makes you makes you <laughs> intimidating. Formidable or whatever. Makes you formidable. Yeah. yeah. The guy's like, what? I was like, <clears throat> yeah, that guy is just big. Nice heels. Uh, and- That's what he should have said. And is this end scene with Janeway and Chuckles supposed to hint at reopening their relationship now that Mark recycled her dog? 
you're right that Chaco doesn't seem that into it. Like he doesn't. He does. He does not. He sees an opportunity and does not do anything about it. I did not identify a best actor candidate. Do you have one? Uh, well, for a second, I thought that guy was Tony Todd, so that was exciting. Yeah, or they should have got the guy who plays Endar. Oh, that guy was, was sneaky doing? big. Yeah, that guy was sneaky big. Put him in a, some lifts. That would been pretty good. Um, uh, worst actor I gave to uh, Herogens as a staff, as a record label, and as a motherfucking crew. And if you want to be down with Herogens, fuck you too. Gino XL, That's fuck right. you too. All you motherfuckers, fuck you too. All you motherfuckers, die slow, motherfuckers. My fofo, make sure all your kids don't grow. Motherfuckers can't be us or see us. Motherfucking bug life writers, West Side, until we die. So that's Voyager. Oh, no, you have quick hitters. Yeah. Um, why does everybody keep talking about how Starfleet has surely developed so much new, great technology since they've been gone? Maybe because... It's only been uh, a couple of years. Like, it's not a big deal. Maybe- Maybe Schmollis told them about all the cool new medical technology that Andy Dick had. Yeah, but that was sort and of... And how he d- he didn't even know he had to use the cone-shaped one. <laughs> that was my problem with last week. was like, why why did everything change? It's only been, been three, three years. years. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> now they got fucking full-on assault vector vector assault. What's it called? Schmollis is the multi-vector assault mode. Yeah. Schmollis is screaming about the doctor gave me a pill and I grew a new kidney. <laughs> That means she's probably best actor of Star Trek Four. When I do think. we get to do Star Trek Four? When do we get it to do when? No, you know the best actor is just use the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> that guy cannot handle it. Yeah, the guy who is not Willie Tanner, but I want him to be. <laughs> Why are you talking uh, into the computer? Just use the keyboard, Alf. Professor Scott. <laughs> uh. Well, anyway. Um, again, Mark lied about that dog. Uh, I thought it was the best... Oh, I did identify a best actor. Best Janeway acting we've seen when she tells Chaco... When she reads the letter? About, oh, when she tells Chaco. About her letter from Mark. The for, Like, before they have their sit-down at the end, when she's... When she reads the letter and it's bad news, and they don't... Like, they just pull, just pull in on her and let her make a face about it. I thought that was pretty good, too. Yeah, she does good, Mark. Maybe that's the show she wanted to do. You know how <laughs> Avery Brooks wanted to do Dad in Space? Yeah. Maybe she wants to do, like... Trying to make a relationship work in long distance in space. That's what she wanted to do. Uh, I already covered everything else in my quick hitters. We did it. All right. Two that's down, it, right? two to go. Fuck! <sighs> All right. No, that's fine. I'm okay. Second place last week was Deep Space Nine. Okay. This week we watched Paradise Lost. Okay, okay, here we go. Just focusing up. Picking up where we left off. Martial law and all of that. And we get right into this shit. Cisco and Odo are somehow suspicious now about all, all that sabotage that happened last week. Uh, Red Squad's activity during the sabotage has them particularly stumped. They were seen beaming around and doing missions and all kinds of stuff. There's There's records of it. Cisco calls some academy dude a Bolian, maybe. And he looks he looks like a Bolian. Those are the ones with seams in their heads and not the ones that eat a harmonica. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and that Bolian guy is pissed off that there's a record of Red Squad beaming back to the Academy after the sabotage, and he wants that shit erased. He yep. also suggests that Admiral Layton might know about it. Credits. Yeah, these guys are real bad at their fucking conspiracy. They're not good, man. They're not ready. They're not even ready to conspire. Think no. of how unready they are for the Dominion. Uh, blood testing continues on a regular basis as Grandpa gets his shit tested again. Cisco uh, has called Nog back to New Orleans. He gives him a real shouty order to give him a name of a Red Squad cadet. He then grills that cadet who immediately admits that they did a cool operation to sabotage the uh, power grid. Uh, he gets all the details out of the kid under the guise of being mad about the sloppiness of the job. Uh, after a chat, Odo and Cisco go to the Federation president to expose Leighton. The Federation president is still a real political asshole who once again says, I don't want people to hate me, so I won't do anything. I guess this martial law is very popular now, so he doesn't want to piss anybody off. Nog comes to see Cisco and says, uh, the rumor is that Red Squad's off on another training exercise. Just then, Leighton comes in to see Ben. Mm, he says exactly what Cisco thought he would, that all this stuff that he's doing is necessary that's, to save Earth. That's right. Um, he's got classic villain mentality. Yes. He tells him all this stuff about how if you don't respect the chain of command, everything falls apart, so you have to do what I say, because I'm your boss but it's not a surprise. They are not in agreement on this one. Anyway, Cisco's ordered back to DS9. He's no longer needed here on Earth. He's doing some thinking by a nice fountain when O'Brien shows up. Yeah. But, like, obviously... <laughs> we know he's not really O'Brien because he's got a good attitude. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, smiley, kind of <laughs> skips over, says hey. Like he a, doesn't immediately start off talking about his bitch wife. <laughs> what I said was, it's obviously not, it's obviously a change thing, especially because O'Brien hasn't sounded this chipper in years. Anyway, O'Brien, as a changeling as O'Brien insinuates, there are only four changelings on Earth, but look how much shit they've already caused. Like a weird villain, he explains exactly how he'll beat Starfleet, by using their own fear against them. Then he pieces out probably flies off like a bird he likes to do that uh cisco has a motivational chat with his dad that makes him jump into action he calls kira on a secure channel who reveals that wormhole is working just fine now uh he gives her some secret instructions they do the thing where he starts to whisper to her and then it cuts away um, Odo and Cisco break into Leighton's secure files very easily, and they see he's been putting people who he knows in key positions around the sector and on Earth. Uh, I guess they're all timed to take place the day before the Federation President's big speech that I wasn't even aware was happening. Must have I, missed a note. I thought this, I thought this, I had this so turned around in my head that I thought that this had happened in the past. That it was before maybe the speech where he gave power to Leighton the first time. Yeah, but it, they keep saying it's until all time it, for the 14th. Yeah, yeah, until it became clear that the 14th was in the future, and then I was like, alright, well, I guess maybe they should have told us the president was giving it. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I don't remember him talking about it, but maybe I was bored of that guy and missed it. Anyway, start 8-14th is when this is going to go down. 
uh benzene walks in and catches cisco in the act of stealing those files and they chat about her promotion and the lakota's refit and in the next scene cisco's ambushed by a rigged blood screening that makes him appear to be a shapeshifter yep uh leighton visits cisco now behind bars and admits uh i'm gonna seize control of earth and oust the federation president though he doesn't talk about all those other planets that the federation president controls <laughs> No, he doesn't seem to care. There's a there's a kind of racist undertone to this. Like, I guess the Academy guy's a Bolian. Yeah. And but, he's in on it. Uh, but that Red Squad guy... Was <laughs> was a real white guy. That dude's in fucking Skull and Bones. <laughs> yes. That's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's, he's in Red Squad. Isn't that Skull It's not Skull and Bones? I mean, isn't it? I mean, we're going to see at some point a lot of people in a room just chanting Red Squad over and over and over again, so. Um, Odo breaks Cisco out of jail. No big deal. Cisco goes. <laughs> it's, it's so he. It's so easy he doesn't even have to transform to do it. It's so easy he does some fucking Mortal Kombat shit and he's like, come over here! And then he like fucking puts his hand in the guy. Pulls out yeah. his heart, finishes him. He doesn't because they don't they don't use any transformation effects because they were out of budget. That's why he gives the lady guard a fucking Vulcan neck pinch for no reason. <laughs> he knows it. It's it's he's skilled. Uh, I learned this from some baseball players. We'll meet them later. <laughs> uh let's see. Um mm. Cisco goes right to Layton's office and captures him. I guess there ain't no security guards anywhere in this whole place. He tells Leighton uh, they know he was responsible for the wormhole's crazy behavior. He wanted people to believe changelings were having a secret fleet come through the wormhole. Uh, anyway, the Defiance on the way to Earth to help Cisco in some way. Do something. They're bringing his stooge who rigged the wormhole. Oh, okay. Unfortunately... To testify, apparently. Unfortunately, Leighton has ordered Benzene to stop the Defiant and... Uh, because they've all, he says they've they've all been replaced by changelings, so there will be a battle in space. Mm, the Lakota won't stand down, uh, and neither will the Defiant. So the Lakota attacks. It's been refitted and it packs a punch, so it's not an easy fight for the Defiant. Worf, in command of Defiant, reluctantly fights back. Um, the battle's kind of interspersed with the continuing conversation between Cisco and Layton that lasts like twenty minutes in that room. Benzene calls and says she can't stop the Defiant. Leighton orders her to destroy the ship instead of disabling it. I'll never stop calling her Benzene. It's uh, fine. Um, however, she powers down weapons and the Defiant calls to tell Cisco they're, they're on the way again. Like, we, we don't talk about this, but her career's over, right? We're never going to see her again. Uh, yeah, how, who would want her around? She going like, to There's going to be an investigation. She must have known about the power outage. Yeah, she's going straight to jail. She's, she's going to jail. Yeah. Uh, Cisco tells Leighton that Odo's been meeting with the Federation president with all the evidence. <laughs> After Leighton loses it, like, uh, again, an insane maniac, he takes off his pips and walks out of the room. Like, um, he just walks out like no one stops him or there's no guards. Cisco just watches him walk out. Yeah, no attempt to arrest him it's or weird. I don't know. Where's he going to go? Like, I guess he's just free to do his own thing. <laughs> anyway, uh... Martial law's over, and everyone but Odo is pleased about it. 
Um, Cisco's dad says the magic words. There might be changelings out here trying to kill just everybody up in here, but I'm not going to let them change the way I live my life, which is a great call. And uh, Cisco and friends beam out, and Grandpa opens his restaurant for the day. So we we saved Earth, everybody. I mean, except for the changelings. They're still there. Hanging out. What was this one about? Uh, okay, so first of all, it's sort of about... And it's called Paradise Lost. It's sort of about whether you can protect a thing if doing so changes it fundamentally. Mm -hmm. But I think mostly this is about a man who has staked his entire life on personal loyalty from his subordinates. Who then discovers that there are orders that they will not follow. So I think the take here is loyalty is a fine trait, but not an absolute. Okay. Um, It's a fine message, but it feels like the actual line... So sitting here in 2020, yep. <laughs> at least in politics, maybe in the military, is a lot more to the loyalty side than to the duty side. <laughs> yeah, no one cares about duty. Uh, so, um, you know, still has work to do, let's say, And I'm, a, but I'm a little skeptical about the uh, truthfulness of the take. Yeah, it's pretty idealistic. Never, nevertheless, I gave it a five. Okay. Um, ben gave it a five with fear will destroy you as surely as a phaser, I guess, from it's what the change thing... But yes, what the changeling said and then how everyone reacted when they showed up. Uh, I just went with the down the line. You mustn't sacrifice paradise in order to save it. Yeah. Um. Well, last week, you thought that was perhaps an irresponsible take. Yeah, again, I mean, this is the wrong time to view this episode for sure. Because all the yokels, all the yeah, yokels we could, out there. We could argue that this is not the same kind of threat. Yes, it is. It is not. It's just that everyone's using the exact same lines. Everyone's saying the same stuff. Um, but this episode does a better job of laying out its case. Like this admiral is a crazy person, and his claims of saving Earth are dumb. Yep, he is sabotaging everything, his dang old self, so he can take personal control of the whole planet. So, um, you know, the stakes are actually real. So I gave it as much as a six. Okay. Uh, how did it execute, though? Uh, I also gave it a six. This admiral is supposed to have a good reason for doing all this treacherous shit, but he does come off as a total nut job. They don't give him... They don't give him enough to make him seem like a real person. (laughs) Um, I guess it was kind of exciting. The stakes were high, but I don't think DS9's quite ready to embrace the darkness yet. Like, they all, everyone gets out of it, and everyone's feeling pretty good at the end of this one, and no one even... Again, Odo's like, aren't there still changelings on Earth? And everyone's like, ha ha ha, Odo! Odo! That's a good one. This guy, Odo. And it's like, no one, no one actually does seem worried about the fact that they are just hanging out on Earth and probably everywhere else. I mean, Joe Sisko says he's afraid. But then he says, I won't let it change the way I live my life. I won't let it change the way I live my life! But look at all these Susan Boyles waiting to come eat in my restaurant. <laughs> it wasn't an attractive crowd. That's all I'm saying. Wow. When he opens that door. So one is a timely reference, but in this one I immediately understood. Thanks. I wasn't sure if I said Kathy Geis that it would land. <laughs> well, they do have That's a similar look. Actually, maybe a better reference. <laughs> a bunch of Kathy well, Geises out there. It's less mean because she's not a real person. <laughs> Trying to get some combo. <laughs> I mean, that actress is, I guess, but I assume she's I mean, being... te- today he does recommend the pasta boudin. <laughs> but does he say that if they try to get anything else, they're damn fools? 
and they'll probably no. get poisoning of some kind. Well, no, he's been closed for a few days. He's you know he's got to get back into the swing of things. Okay. Um, they find a way to get some of the other crew involved, and it, their their involvement does again raise the stakes a little bit because then we have Federation ships shooting at Federation ships, so it doesn't feel a hundred percent tacked on, which is good. But it, it's clear that they were just included as a kind of an afterthought. Well, and also, who else is Cisco going to turn to? All of his friends from his time under Leighton are working for Leighton. Yeah. The, there's no one left from the fucking Saratoga. Yeah, but, like, there, I guess that is what it eventually turns it, is that the Defiant got through and they're on the way here. But, like, he and Odo had already broken out of prison or whatever. Yeah, it was already going to be pretty shaky for Leighton. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I thought it was fine. It's, it's The guy's a little cartoonish. Well... Both the Changeling and the Admiral are cartoonish. But, um, yeah, that was fine. Six for me. Ben's a four. Um, or Red Squad. Conspiracy. The chain of command makes it pretty clear he's the bad guy. Yeah. It's given Starfleet's long history of emphasizing independent thought. Yep. Um, I'm with Ben on it being a four. Okay. There's something off about Leighton. Yeah. Uh... His character is strategically well-prepared, but tactically totally unprepared. Yes. Which gives the whole thing the feeling that his coup would only have lasted a few more days without Cisco's help. Like, this, he can't keep Cisco in jail. This thing's going to fucking fall apart. Also, he I don't think he has any idea what he wants to do with Cisco. He puts yeah. him in that cell because he can't think anything better. But, like, he doesn't seem to have... Like, Cisco's like, you know, in, like, a couple days, everyone's going to find out I'm not a changeling. So, like, what what do you do then? And he goes, it'll be too late by then. That's like, yeah. why? What do you mean? They also, they also put him in the middle ground between someone who's, like, too, who's blind to his old his own ambition and thinks he's really doing the right thing and just, like, a full mustache-twirling villain. Mm. So I think better writing of that character would have really elevated this. Yeah, it's unclear. Like, he says all the things that makes it seem like he believes it, but he could just be an asshole who says yeah. those things. It's hard to tell. Odo seems to have switched his stance on security this week, and it's not at all clear why. Yeah. Uh, the scene with Changeling O'Brien, as far as I can tell, is pretty weakly linked to the story. Like, the die is basically already cast for Cisco, and I don't know why they think openly approaching Cisco would make him act one way versus the other, or even what they're trying to accomplish. I, it was really... like it's a fun, it's a fun scene. Yeah, but like, what is their what's their goal? What are they trying to do? And does this help or hurt them? And what was Cisco was Cisco going to do anything remotely different? Does it matter at all that this happened? Yeah, it's it's pretty cartoonish. He just wants to taunt him. It seems like, but uh, that's that was my question last week with Odo too, where they come up to Odo and they're like, "I'm a changeling, Odo, booyah!" And then they fly away. <laughs> like, yeah. what was that for? Uh, oh, and uh, Bentine makes the heroic decision to stand down, but we never see her think about it at all. It's to all off screen. <laughs> Yeah, it's all off screen. Like, they thought we'd be throwing tomatoes at the screen if there wasn't a regular cast member on it at all times. I, actually, what it really was is they probably didn't want to build a Excelsior class bridge. Yeah. She, um, maybe she sees Cisco behind Leighton because Cisco butts into the call. Oh, he tells, does. And he tells her, you know, they're not changelings there, right? Yeah. And maybe she sees that it's already too late because Cisco's in there with a phaser. Oh, yeah, it could be. It could no. be purely political. Like, yeah. she's switching sides because she knows Leighton is not going to come out on top. Yeah, we'll never know. Uh, but we'll never, we'll never know. Like, that's a real missed opportunity from a storytelling perspective, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just a four. I think they made, there were some whoopsies in the execution of this one. Yeah. Um, Ben's a four for world building. Yeah. He says, Starfleet is morally bankrupt. It's not your daddy, Starfleet. Where did Where they... they get rid of those Red Squad cadets, too? He I mentions they about how it. they've been moved and they're, they're yeah. safe and, and all this stuff. And it's like, wait, where did where did they go? He's like, you won't have to worry about them anymore. And it's like, did he kill all those cadets? Um, I am also a four in terms of world building. Okay. So we have... Um, well, let me let's put it this way. What does O'Brien expect an Excelsior class ship in 2373 or whatever to be armed with? Yeah. Like the Lakota must be a block 29 Excelsior, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's got a, it's it has to have had a bunch of updates and upgrades along the way. Even if he didn't know about its latest refit. There's no way right. that thing's popping in there at fucking Scotty era technology. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't make any sense. It's got the transwarp drive. Watch out. Uh Blood. We see a blood test here that's at least a faked positive, and that already makes them useless as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and so we had last week, Joe Sisko <laughs> asserted that they were useless. This yeah. week, we see they are fully useless. God, I wish someone had reacted to what he said. I wish anyone yeah. in the room had been like, oh, fuck. We're going to need we're going to need to retest everything. We're going to just phaser or, everything or the, or another possible reaction. That was oddly specific. <laughs> All right, we're definitely taking you in. Let's uh, let's shoot this guy with a low level phaser for a while, because <laughs> we'll even make it really low the, level. I don't think the blood test is going to tell the story here. <laughs> now we got people coming into my restaurant and shooting me with shooting phasers. Me with phasers. <laughs> the love Admiral Cartwright. Oh, uh, thank you, Brock Peters. Mm-hmm. I hope your character appears in 15 or 16 more of these episodes, but I somehow suspect that's not the case. Notice they didn't let him steal the fucking show this week. No. They didn't let him do any of his cool acting like last week. I mean, he did get to give the speech at the end, but that's fine. And he got to uh, yeah. he got to give the fatherly advice. About Nephi, uh, so whatever. I'm- I'm a four. Like, here's a, th- a thwarted coup is pretty big world building. I wish... I wish I had confidence that it would pay off. Yeah. Like, in theory, a lot of these guys that Leighton worked with, the Red Squad cadets. Yeah. Uh, there's they're not a hearing for these idiots? They took down the power grid. How did the, Why did they think that was a legal order they could execute? <laughs> not only that, why did they think it was so cool? <laughs> oh, yeah. This kid is so pumped. He's like, yeah, we it fucking... Sucks. It was amazing to see all those lights fucking blink. Oh, wait a minute. What did I do? Oh, no, also, wait a minute. <laughs> Is it Red Squad because Nova Squad was disbanded? Oh, or yeah, is it I Red mean, Squad because they don't want to pay the writers of the first <laughs> duty? I was going to say, it's probably... Nick Lacarno style. It's 100% a Nick Lacarno story. Kind of mention how cool it would have been if they'd hired Robert Duncan McNeil to be the, guy, <laughs> to be the saboteur. Nick Lacarno. Well, we know what he... Oh, no, I guess uh, this would have been in Voyager Season 2. Was he already starting to bald? Oh, yes, because right after the pilot, he starts to bald. Okay, good. <laughs> it was so sad for them. You you know when he showed up after, because you know, they filmed the pilot, and they probably came back to film the rest a couple months later or something. And when he came back on set, and they went, Ah, oh, son of a bitch! Oh, Fuck! Are kidding me? He was supposed to be the young, handsome one. Hey, buddy, you been under some stress? <laughs> hey, you gotta let that go, man. That's hey, not good for you. All right, what do you guys think of Beltran? Is he going to be a sex just- symbol? I don't know. He just lost the hair. Maybe if we relax him, it'll grow back. <laughs> we're going to try some. Doctor. We're going to try some things. We're going to try some different styling. Okay. I've heard that Rogaine with Mandoxidil 
is legit. There's this commercial going around where the guy goes, for years I wish I'd swung at that last pitch. And then he starts <laughs> talking about Rogaine. It gets really good. <laughs> for Strike years, three, you wish- you're out! I wish I had written down the name of the girl with the characteristically French name that Cisco didn't ask out because you could just do that commercial again. But for years, oh, I wish I'd asked out. It was uh, Nephi Beaumont. Nephi Beaumont. Thank you. For years, I wish I'd asked out Nephi Beaumont. So if you're wondering about Rogaine with Minoxidil. Then at the end, Cisco can just take a swing at a pitch again. <laughs> That's right. Uh, world building, Matthew. Um, Starfleet can put cadets on field duty. Red Squad is a secret organization, maybe because they're being used to do sabotage. That's not a good sign, huh? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean we can't tell anyone we're in Red Squad? Why not? Like, what? what happens to us? What's the danger? Also, we voted and we wanted to be called the Raccoons. So. <laughs> I noticed that's not appearing anywhere. I see Red Squad here. That was not even on the list. The that cool, wasn't even on the short list. The cool logo of the rabid raccoon. Because that's, that's not on the jackets. It just says Red Squad in, like, fucking plain collegiate font. I don't really understand uh, this. What about the logo? Six Emperor Raccoons. <laughs> it's really, I mean, again. The motto. You told us we'd have input on this, so I'm just, that's why I'm asking. I'm not trying to be a dick. Uh, so I guess either Layton doesn't have an in with Section 31 or the writers haven't thought of them yet. I think they just haven't been thought of yet, huh? Because doesn't this seem this like a Section, Section 31, 31 special? Business. Yeah. That's good. Section 31 is my least favorite thing in Star Trek. So. It's only a matter of time now. We're You know, for everything, it's only a matter of time now that we're into season four of everything. We're getting close to all this nonsense. Um, another... I just want to remind you that in season six... When they need to do some commando shit, they make Dr. Crusher do it. They do put on their commando turtlenecks, though. Well. So at least there's that. It does not seem like the Federation has a crack secret no. infiltration sabotage unit. Send the old man and the, the, the doctor, the, old, the older doctor, let's just be real, the older doctor. And, and, and the guy who cannot open doors and the guy whose doors are just fucking frustrate the hell out of him. or, or uh, listen let's rephrase it the guy who gives good advice but in a way that makes it impossible for you to take it <laughs> send those three that's it that's the team they're gonna do great they're gonna do great against the cardassians with their well-developed intelligence system <laughs> it's gonna be great um Another complaint about replicated food or drink not tasting as good as the real thing. This time it's coffee. Why don't they do it better? Why not? It's just a, you you program it in, right? It's just a chemical thing. Just, just program it in better. Uh, if not, the alternative is really fucking grim. That for some reason, everybody eats this low-grade replicated schlock all the time. And they hate it. And they, they just have hate to it. eat it. Yeah. They hate it and they just have to eat it all the time. <laughs> And it's not as fresh and tasty as meat, Riker. You know, um, maybe that's why everyone's a piece of shit in the Federation. This is that fucking, this is what it's going to be like in 20 years when lab-grown meat is a reality. <laughs> if we're all and eating everyone's going to be like, oh, it's just as good, it's just, but then someone will have an actual steak from a real cow. <laughs> why does this everyone will think good? they're Everyone will think they're a weirdo, but then like, you'll go over to that dude's house and eat an actual steak and you'll be like, Fuck, it is better. And that's when the rebellion starts, dude. That's why there's so many bad guys in Starfleet, because they're not content in their idyllic hippie space future. 
Um, I, I mean, maybe they just like, well, this is better than those cubes Kirk had to eat. <laughs> what about the ice cream tapes? If you put in the different tape, you get a different flavor <laughs> of ice cream. Uh, Cisco and Leighton served together on the Okinawa, and then they were f- back when they were fighting the Zenkefi. Um, the shapeshifters know a lot about O'Brien, huh? <laughs> Why do they know so much so. about him? I think there's one on the station. Because, like... It does suggest it, doesn't it? That was pretty crazy. Who's been hanging out with O'Brien a lot on the station? Oh. The Bashir? Yeah. Mm. Um, We aren't told how Leighton faked the blood test, and I'm fine with that. I don't want to know. Well, it seems like... I, if you're controlling the whole procedure, like if you've got the hypo spray, mm-hmm. you could just have a hypo spray that doesn't take blood at all and just pumps up some changeling goo from the bottom to the top. Yeah, but or they don't have changeling goo. Looks like, be, or just something yes. that looks like changeling goo. Who cares? Something that looks like some goo. But I'm, my point is, he he's like... It's just whatever they make bowling balls out of, probably. <laughs> Cisco doesn't care how he does it, and I also no. don't care. <laughs> he asks, and they, when he doesn't tell him, he goes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because I don't want to know. They'll probably say something dumb. I don't want to know. Um, uh, well, it's not Voyager, so they won't say anti-Thorons or anything. But <laughs> it's you know what I mean. Fucking Voyager. Voyager would tell you. Satisfying. Voyager 100% would tell you and you'd hate it. Uh, there's always steam shooting around the bridge when Defiant is in battle. What's up with that? <laughs> What's all the steam for? Is it steam uh, powered? Well, you know that the ship is a prototype, right? So it's steam powered? Uh, it's a lot of... The, we... Yeah, there's the engineering room with the force field that Dax can walk on. But then next door, there's a bunch of huge brass gears and clockwork. <laughs> it's big just boiler. Like, that shit goes crazy. They get hit once and just steam just flies everywhere. And no one ever says, is this safe to breathe? <laughs> no, they just shout. They just, there's just a lot of shouting. Because the steam's very loud. It's not like it's one quiet. Guy, one guy gets injured in that first banger that comes from the Lakota. Mm. And then two more guys take that person off the bridge. Yeah. Now there's three fewer people on the bridge. How many people were there to start with? I hope they always have two orderlies on the bridge just for that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. There's no science two on the Defiant where someone can be sitting back there until they're needed to replace Wesley Crusher. That's true. Um, the ablative armor on Defiant is secret, even to Starfleet security. How's that work? I don't know. I, I, again, Leighton is only half good at his coup, and he did not give Benteen any information about the Defiant. He just told her to stop it. Because, like, why would that be? That would be a secret, maybe, to, like, the Klingons or something. But, I, I mean, it w- is it? <laughs> not it anymore. Tanks now. Not anymore. <laughs> it's true. Even the Klingons know now. Everyone knows now, but not, not Benteen. Uh, so, yeah, just a three for me. How about uh, characterization? Yeah. Uh, ben gave it a five. He says Avery Brooks doing his best, his very best overacting. He says the changeling's happy he's not really O'Brien. O'Brien's sucking his face. He didn't specifically take a shot at O'Brien's dumpy potato body, <laughs> but you knew why the, the first draft was that, yeah. and then Colin Meany would not say it. Hey! Who wrote this? Uh, Odo knows the Vulcan neck pinch and uses it. Yeah, it's a five for Ben. Um, I agreed. I gave it a five. 
Let's see, Jake really doesn't want to help sick old grandpa in the kitchen. You know, I thought this was a Sheridan situation between Cisco and his dad, but they seem to get on each other's nerves a lot. Yeah. It's not a love fest in the same way. Well, his dad is not Rance Howard. (laughs) Just a real folksy kind of dude. Oh, well, you know, they came after us, but uh, the neighbors gave them hell and... uh, you know, you know, your mom's fine. She's She knows how to take care of herself. And you're just like, wow, this guy's handling being on the run from evil government forces really well. Yeah. <coughs> um, anyway, he gives him some good fatherly advice after the uh, O'Brien changeling scene. Nog says Cisco is Red Squad's hero. <laughs> <laughs> given how the rest he of that goes. He hasn't even done the really villainous shit that they probably would love yet. I know. <laughs> but given how the rest of the episode goes, I don't think that's a compliment at the end. Oh, hell yeah. That's the guy who made that solar sailor. <laughs> he went all the way to Cardassia. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> I heard he built a clock. He proved him wrong. He proved him wrong. Fucking Cardis. Uh, Cisco uses... Hey, that's the emissary to the prophets. I, I know all about this. I read about it at the academy where I am I'm studying. Extre- My nickname is Ox, and I'm extremely spiritual. <laughs> Cisco uses his real breathy, shouty voice on Nog to get what he needs out of him. He seems to have difficulty making the decision to investigate Leighton and Benteen and all of them. <laughs> he says they're his friends. That is very sad. He just never met Benteen before. Yeah, and he doesn't ever talk about Leighton, and, like, they're clearly bad guys at this point, so what does that make Cisco if he's having trouble with this one? A suck-up. But I really don't want to make my friend mad. He's exactly like Nog, who is upset that the upperclassmen don't like him. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. Cisco's always been stubborn and arguing with superiors when he thinks they're wrong. They gave him a Rikery backstory. Yeah. Uh, he had a thing for a girl named Nephi Beaumont. I assume she appears in that episode of Murder, She Wrote that we'll never talk about. <laughs> I don't remember her, but it's been so long. <laughs> I would have to read my notes again. Uh, then a girl named Zoe Phillips. Uh, Cisco tells Odo to get his family off the planet before shit goes down, so his priorities are exactly there. The Federation president has been in politics for 70 years, so... That dude's older than he looks. Well, he has four stomachs. Worf doesn't want to be the guy who shoots a Starfleet vessel, but, like, he doesn't have a lot of time to think about it, so he... Kind of ends up doing nothing? I mean, he shoots that ship a little bit, but he mostly just gets two of his crewmen killed. Two dudes died! Yeah. He names them. I don't, I don't remember their names. I didn't write it down. Um. Yeah, so for me, it was a five. Uh, it's a four for me. Okay. Cisco feels mostly right in this one, although the idea that he was ever an engineer doesn't really fit with how he's usually portrayed. Like, I get that he likes clocks, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't. It has never come up before that he, at one point he thought he was going to be an engineer. No. I feel like Odo should be on the other side here a little bit, pointing out that the changelings still represent a threat and dismantling the security provisions is going to help them to make Cisco's call harder and also to be motivated by something other than 
you know, respect for your old boss, which seems to be the only thing that's holding Cisco back right now. Yeah. So I would have liked that. Um, this definitely would have been a good time to use Worf's background as tactical officer on Enterprise to, I don't know, render the Lakota helpless by view screen tricks. Oh, or, yeah. Like, yeah, do a fucking Klingon guile of some kind. You know, like, he used to be real good at this stuff, or just good fighting, just better fighting than whoever's the tactical officer on the Lakota. But no, you don't get to see nothing. No, nah, it's just nothing. Um, yeah. Yeah, just a four for me. Fair enough. Uh, quick ones. I do have a few. Um, you know a guy is definitely cool when he's using impressionable cadets to do his dirty work. Mm, yep. I can't think of any way it's possible that Red Squad's identities are secret, and I can't think of any reason for that to be the case, except to get one more scene with Nog. Yeah, I also definitely felt like they made it up in between episodes. Yeah. Last like, week, they don't talk up. They talk about Red Squad, but not at all that they are secret. Somehow, Cisco can't look that up. Yeah. Um, but the thing that is most disappointing to me is that Cisco did not record that cadet's confession. Is that possible? He gets all of it. <clears throat> he gets every detail of the mission out of this guy. Yeah. Then he goes to the president with Odo. And the president's like, is there any evidence? And Cisco says, not yet. Okay, so I saw that too. What? And I and I was also confused. I was like, wait a minute. Well, you already know all that stuff that happened. What do you mean there's not evidence? And then later he's trying to get that kid back. Oh, what did he do? Cisco. What the fuck, man? Cisco, Cisco. What did you do? Hey, buddy. Hey, I know the seventh guarantee, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> but like, hey, buddy. Man, he really did come up under Leighton. Hey, come on, man. Neither one of these guys has got it right. Why didn't you have that kid on tape? I was very confused about that. Uh, Odo can do a Vulcan neck pinch this week because the show didn't have the budget for shape-shifting shenanigans. Leighton's got to go to jail, right? He can't just take his ranks and uh, He straight and walk walks out. out and Cisco doesn't <laughs> even say anything. <laughs> I just, I paused it and there went, that's it? Yeah, yeah, as far as we know. I guess he's fine. Also, there's there's no chance any of this is good for Jarish Enyo politically, right? Uh, if it ever come, if anything ever comes out about this, he's pretty much fucked. Because as we all know, he's the president of one planet, Earth. And <laughs> everything that happens there is going to have 100% of the uh, impact on his on his fucking career. I gave uh, best actor to Cisco. I gave worst actor to Cisco's guards trying to do a little banter with mm. the uh, late blood draw lady when she comes around. Yeah, I'm sick of it too, but you know what's coming out of the ceiling right now? Oh God! <laughs> oh no! That's bad. Oh boy. Mm. Ben. Oh geez, oh man. Ben's got a couple quick hitters. They use the episode title in the dialogue. Daddy Cisco says that he won't let fear of the changelings affect his way of life. Sound familiar at all? Yeah, um, I mean, it is it's something you pointed out last week, but uh, again, I think this were, they're very different kinds of threats. Yes, and, and again, this week they actually do the work. Last week it was just a lot of people saying how they didn't want to do anything inconvenient to make people more safe. And then this week we get to see who the bad guy really is. Um... I, my quick hitters, I've already gotten used to seeing Cisco in the TNG style uniform. It just looks better. It's a better, it's not, the jumpsuits are so frumpy. They're really ugly as shit. And I'm not excited for him to go back to that next week. 
when you see Worf, when it cuts to the Defiant and you see Worf in his red suit, and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not tailored at all. No. Um, I had worst actor candidate number one, laughing changeling O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> and candidate number two, Odo. Cisco's not the one you should be worried about. I am. Come here. What was he doing? Again, it sounded like it was bad voice acting for a Mortal Kombat game. More than a little. Um, Cisco's pips were haphazardly arranged. I hate when that happens. It was like two were lined up, and then the other two were lined up with each other, but not all four. They were not lined up together. Like, I know Starfleet is not a military organization, but... Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Every week it have, seems harder have to a say little it. care. I have a little care about your uniform, huh? Uh, Alright, three down. We're doing it. Cool. Yeah, the winner last week was The Next Generation. Yeah. This week we watched Final Mission. Picard is preparing to leave the ship to mediate a dispute between some miners. Mm. But first, he has to harass Wesley Crusher by way of congratulations on his acceptance to Starfleet Academy mid-semester. Mm. Also, he's going to take Wesley along on this mission so he can study extra... Law. Extraterrestrial law. I don't know. Yeah, he has a term. Yeah, some something. Some kind of law. Um, just as they're about to leave, Enterprise gets a distress signal from Gamelon 5, where a highly radioactive spacecraft has entered orbit and they are sure they're under attack. Yeah. So Picard has Riker take Enterprise to deal with it while he and Wesley pile into a mining shuttle piloted by Captain Durgo. Hey, did they say in that first scene why they were taking that guy's shuttle and not, like, the Elbaz or whatever? They did not explain it at all. They did not explain why they didn't fly to the planet where the dispute is taking place and beam everybody down. I guess maybe it's a prestige thing yeah. where they want, you know, like they're going to take the local shuttle in just to show everyone that they don't think they're better than them. I don't know. Hey, I didn't know if that was it or if uh, Dergo somehow had an in with the miners for them in some way. Like maybe he's known to the miners. Oh, he's going to take him to Chorgon. He's going to take him straight to Chorgon. That's who you want to talk to. You know why? Because he always gets to work first. Yeah. That's why I know that it sounds like the word for leaving for work, <laughs> going to work in Korean. Because <laughs> of Chorgon. Um, <laughs> as soon... I mean, that's the same... That's the exact same thing I said about <laughs> As soon as... As soon as the Enterprise warps out, yeah. like immediately, one of Durgo's thrusters just shoots right off of the fucking ship and it <laughs> begins spinning down towards some gas giant. This ship's not so good. Uh, all three of them together manage to stabilize it, but they're not going to be able to make it to their original destination. But luckily, one of the nearby moons is barely Class M. It's a real hot desert. Like so the they forge? make a. It's like the forge, except it's shot in a real desert, ah. and also uh, not everything has a special name. Okay, All right. good. Uh, they make a real gentle crash landing and immediately start looking for shelter. And Picard is very disappointed to learn that Durgo doesn't carry emergency food or water. Yeah, he says medical supplies were okay on, but I 
I, not, I have the replicator broke. What do you want me to do about it? Meanwhile, Enterprise has arrived at Gamelon 5, and they discover an old unmanned freighter carrying radioactive waste. Is it a Zabalian uh, transport again? Uh, it is something, although it must be much bigger this time. Okay. But it looks like one. Okay. Riker wants to throw it into the fucking sun. Yep. Uh, which he wants to just do with the tractor beam, but Jordy thinks it'll be safer to uh, hot glue some thruster pods to it. <laughs> yep. By the way, uh, Riker doesn't suggest this, like, let's talk about it. He says, here's the plan. We're throwing it into the sun. Get started. And then they have to go, mm, well, actually. Uh, it's super radioactive. Maybe we could push it with thrusters? Yeah, let's let's just We have something it. on this ship called a construction module? Mm-hmm. At this point, they get the news that Picard is missing, so... But they've got to deal with this space barge. What can you do? I love a plot device meant to keep them away. Yeah. Uh, Durgo and Picard argue about this plan that Picard has to go to the fucking mountains. Yeah. And uh, Wesley sticks up for Picard and like a real ass kisser. But Picard teaches him the diplomatic art of brown nosing to get Durgo on board. <laughs> uh, Captain Durgo, I I have gr- great respect for your. You're, cool you're belt. an able pilot, even though you crashed on the first, like, I immediately, know. as soon as we left. But you seem, you're an, you're an able pilot. Uh, I assume. What would you suggest? I assume this is the first time this has happened to you, and your boots look great. Your cool belt. <laughs> Got a cool belt. So, you must have an opinion. The mountain's right. Uh, yeah, so they head towards this nearby mountain range. And we see Durgo surreptitiously drinking Along the way. Yeah. So he, despite saying he had no food or water, he's got a clear bottle of a clear liquid. Yep. Wesley, meanwhile, is picking up inconclusive readings of a possible life form ahead, but they don't have any choice. They just got to keep going there. And they get to a cave with super obvious stairs leading down. (laughs) Yep. But then they stand there and argue about what natural process formed the cave, (laughs) whether it was water or lava. Thank you. I put many notes about it. The stairs in that cave. <laughs> I mean, the stairs are... They're so obvious. <laughs> they're standing they're, on no, the stairs. No attempt has been made to make it look like natural rock shelves nope. or anything. They're all... They have the exact same pitch. They're, yep. They're... They're stairs. They're OSHA-compliant stairs, basically. <laughs> they're stairs, and they're standing on the stairs wondering if water made the cave. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they don't worry about that too much because the energy readings wasn't getting are changing. Right. Um, Troy's making the rounds on Enterprise trying to see how Beverly's holding up to the news that Wesley's missing but she's been keeping herself busy with work yeah one of the thrusters Jordy placed blows right off the ship and kind of like that shuttle yeah it's pretty much the same thing as the shuttle so I guess that's why Jordy wasn't too mean spirited about you know he had his thrusters rigged in a funny way if one of them blew up it could look like this when they find that out later yeah uh, so it's back to Riker's tractor beam plan, and the ship immediately starts taking on a ton of radiation because they have to, they can't just tow it away and let it go. They have to get it through this asteroid field before they can release it. Right. Picard and company find a fountain bubbling away, Ooh. but it's protected by a force field. Which they find why? out when Durgo tries to do a <laughs> swan dive into it. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why, but he sprints at it. Uh, yeah, well, Wesley starts looking for a way to deactivate it, but Durgo just starts blasting. And then an angry ghost attacks them. <laughs> yes. Uh, Picard pushes Wesley out of the way of some falling rocks, and then, because he's always wondered what rocks look like from below, <laughs> he stands there and lets them hit him. 
he pushes Wesley out of the way two seconds before those rocks come down, and then you're right. Yeah. He just stares up and goes, just oh. looks up at him. Oh, look at that. <sighs> so Picard's pretty busted up by the rocks. Mm. Durgo thinks he's going to die for sure, and he storms off. Uh, Picard tells Wesley he's going to have to stand up to Durgo without his help. Yeah. And, but I don't know if this advice means anything to Wesley because we next see him again, just trying to, uh, figure out what's going on with that fountain sentry. But when Durgo announces his own risky, dumb plan and bullies Wesley into it. Yeah. And it turns out the plan is very dumb and Durgo is killed. Yeah, he gets put in that same cocoon that the phaser was put in earlier. Oh, yeah, this thing the puts ghosts. people in fiberglass. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a fiberglass ghost. He's like um, like if Wisp from Animal Crossing shot fiberglass <laughs> pods. Exactly. Oh, boy. By the way, I love Wisp. Uh, Enterprise, by the way, gets the barge through this radiation with uh, like two seconds to go as the computer is counting down time to lethal radiation exposure. Mm -hmm. So now they're free to come back. Picard is drifting in and out of consciousness. Wesley does the usual emotional speech to someone who can't be allowed to fall asleep. Yes. This one is about how Picard is his surrogate dad and he wants him to be proud. Yeah. Um... Later, Picard regains consciousness and tells Wesley he's probably not going to make it, but Wesley's been an extremely good boy. Yep. And also, he should look up his old friend Boothby at the Academy. It's my last will and testament. I know a groundskeeper. You should check anyway, him out. Yeah, at this point, Wesley uses something from his communicator to do something to his tricorder right. to disrupt the sentry's energy pattern. Then he collects a bunch of water in a backgammon set he just had, and then he uh, hand-feeds it to Picard to keep him alive long enough for the Enterprise rescuers to get there. Yeah. Then he holds Picard's hand as they leave the cave, and then he presumably fucks off to Starfleet Academy. I think that's it. I think um, we're not supposed to see him. Final Mission. Yeah. Yeah. He gone. So, Matthew, Mm. what's this one about? I have. Get ready for this. The scientific method is pretty baller. (laughs) <laughs> fact or just even not being an impatient goon yes i mean there's a lower bar than that obviously yeah Dur- durgo says the trumpian words enough thinking it's time to do something <laughs> and then he gets fucking cocooned and wesley wants to like i don't know run this thing through some fucking tests and figure out why it reacts the way it does and whether it can be controlled or baited or whatever and durgo eats shit and wesley wins Meanwhile, Enterprise tries a bunch of shit, but that plot doesn't really matter. It's just to keep them away from Picard, and actually, they could have done more with it. But um, it could have just taken them longer to find them. Yeah, they <laughs> like, could have been know looking. How long any of this takes? It's whatever. Yep. Um, as true as it is, I can't give it more than six points. Six points. Science. 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 Ben's a four. He says uh, young men must put on their big boy pants to face the real world. The coming of age for Wesley, etc. Meaningful send off from Picard. He says in Voyager, this would have been a party in the mess. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been well, the send off. Yeah. Well, they already had a party for Wesley when he took the exam, but he didn't think he could go because he didn't pass. Mm, that's right. So, you know, everybody gets one party. Well, if you don't go uh, to yeah. the party, they're not going to throw you another one. Ben and I are in the same boat, really. Uh, a man must inevitably step out of his father's shadow. I gave this a four in Icarus Factor, and I guess that's what it's worth here, too. Okay. What about Examicution? 
this is the end of Wesley's story arc. Yes. Or at least it probably seemed like it at the time. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? So it would have been nice to show some character growth from him. Hmm. But he's really pretty obnoxious in this one. Yes, he is. Picard tries to give him advice about Durgo, and either he isn't listening or he didn't care, because he doesn't really do anything about it and Durgo dies. Yeah. The B-plot is a distraction at best and does not hold up to any thought at all. (laughs) Exactly right. The best that can be said about this episode is that it's not bad to watch. Yeah. Because they filmed the desert scenes in a desert and because Patrick Stewart can play a dying father figure. Yeah. So I gave it a three. Okay. Uh, Ben gave it a five. He says, Wesley and Picard, I don't like one of those guys, but the bottle episodes of the two of them haven't been bad so far. And this isn't a bottle episode, but there it is. They're the two main it people. Do, it does turn out that that Wesley Crusher is a lot better when you give him something to do instead of just say a bunch of nonsense words. <laughs> yes, Technobabble is not great. What if you have him say something like, "I don't understand why would anyone want to do drugs?" Okay, I don't. That doesn't really count. <laughs> uh, that was Tasha Yar's. Uh, acting scene not his but he wants it explained to him okay i know i know uh he also says uh he 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 likes that there's just a tiny bit of doubt that picard will make it out alive what a final mission refers to picard and not wesley yeah and uh, obviously the b plot is a warning against pollution of some kind except if they were going to kill picard they would have done it in both worlds too I mean, for sure. That That's not the problem is that he's already survived the opportunity to write him out of the show this season. Yeah. Uh, but it was a five for Ben. Um, let's see what I got. Uh, first, I thought the episode would be about preparation being a necessity, even in the high tech world. And then I thought maybe something about Wesley and Picard's relationship, which is what you guys settled on. But they never developed into anything big enough for me. Um. For my take, I wish they had done more on Enterprise about maybe doing some careful research, you know, for science reasons and getting some fucking questions answered versus rushing in and trying to do it do it fast so they could save Picard or whatever. But it was just filler. Yeah. That whole plot didn't matter. Um, This accident is so sudden after they get on board his shuttle. And this guy <laughs> is so shifty. If you were watching this the first time, wouldn't you believe this was a fucking ambush? Yeah, the some miners are doing some shit. The only problem is we don't know anything about them and they don't matter. Yeah, that's never a problem in Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah, he should. You're right that they Picard and Wesley should have immediately been captured by miners that Dargo <laughs> was secretly working for. Yeah, and then maybe it would be about um, they could redo uh, the high ground. Well, it, it would for sure give Wesley an opportunity to learn about extra whatever yes. law. That's right. Firsthand before he goes off to the academy. Um, but no, that's not what happened. This guy's ship is just absolute trash, which everybody saw the moment they laid eyes on it, but they still got in it and they didn't get in one of the good shuttles, which is what I was asking about earlier. Why didn't they take a good shuttle? Specifically Elbaz. Yes, Elbaz or whatever. Uh, Elbaz only has two seats, right? Well, they don't need this guy if they're taking the good shuttle. Uh, That's a good point. This guy is only here for this shuttle and I don't understand that. Uh, Picard suffered a very TV injury. Again, knocking Wesley out of the way two seconds before the rocks come down, then looking up at the falling rocks. It's just like, look, just do a little editing. Yes. How can you not see what you made if you're the director? How do you not look at that and go, all right, we're going to need to do that different. That was Listen, we need to tighten this up, but the show's already 18 seconds short, so. (laughs) We're in trouble. 
uh, finally Wesley doing a fucking Neo or whatever in that last scene is pretty cheesy. Where the ghost flies at him, but he just hits a lot of buttons on his tricorder and then it goes, I love you, Wesley! And then it's everything's fine. Uh, Wesley's not my favorite character and the plot was pretty contrived. Uh, I gave it a four. Oh, uh, well, what about world of my building? Okay, Pentaurus 5 is, is a mining dispute Picard has to go mediate by shuttle, I guess. Okay, then. He says he has to study up on Regalian law for this. Did Wesley um get that in at the Academy when a spot opened up because Picard is connected? Uh, <laughs> Why did it go to uh, Wesley? That was not the thought that I... Well, it went to Wesley because the only reason he didn't get to go to the Academy was because he was five minutes late for the ship. <laughs> Which does seem like a shitty reason, but now we're like... He, he is otherwise fully qualified. We're so there far can't be too. There can't be too many other people. Like, someone got his spot in the first place, right? Oh, yeah, I guess this went to someone else the first time. Yeah. Oh, spot opened up. He's probably at the top of the list. That didn't bother me. Uh, what I really worried about was... In in light of what we will later learn about Starfleet Academy, how did a spot open up? <laughs> That's right. Yep. Is this a Josh Albert situation? Is this a Red Squad I mean, situation? I think What's we had happening? a real Josh Albert. Um, <clears throat> Gamelin 5, where radioactive garbage scouts jacking their shit up. Uh, this is one of those planets that says, we're peaceful, not like you shitholes. Come save us. Then we'll we help. We'll call you warmongers after you leave, but save us first. Anyway, this garbage scow is at least 300 years inactive. So it's been... It's just some fucking bad luck. Yeah, it's just been out there being radioactive for a while and accidentally got too close to this planet. Um, uh, Jordy's idea to ra- launch that remote construction module with thrusters. I guess they really do carry everything on Enterprise. Like Durgo insinuated. This isn't a starship where you've got your, your, your fancy modules and your... Your cool pajamas. Uh, Drisky. They are they are cool, though. Can I get a set? <laughs> they look real satiny. They're, they're shiny. I like that. I've seen the red and yellow ones. Do you have them in another color? My clothes look really dirty and kind of matty. They're, they're matted. I want the shiny ones. <laughs> My friend doesn't like you. <laughs> he turned into that. <laughs> I <game>. don't like <laughs> you. <laughs> I didn't mean to turn him into that, but that's... You what made he, him Dr. Evazon. That's what he, that guy's a full doctor? Well, he calls himself that. I Hold don't on. know. Wait a minute. I thought this was a hive of scum and villainy. That guy's a that guy's a legit doctor. Okay. Damn. I think that's Dr. Amazon. I'm not the expert. Okay, we'll ask Barry then. Barry, is that guy a doctor? Yes or no? Uh, Dresky's a cool booze. Oh, yeah, that's him. <laughs> Dr. Cornelius Amazon. I don't like you. Oh, here's a wild one. Dr. Cornelius Amazon was a human male. Wait, from, wait, what? Wait, from the what? planet Al Saken, who was a promising cosmetic surgeon <gasps> until he became gripped by madness oh, no! and began practicing creative surgery on his patients, leaving his victims horrifically disfigured. Uh, right, apparently, I, he got his face all jacked up during an encounter with a bounty hunter. Are you on Memory Beta Star Wars Edition? I'm on regular ass Wikipedia. Because that's a lot of backstory. But I'm in the canon section, not the legend section. What? Where'd all this backstory come from? Anyway, his buddy's name is Ponda Baba. So just wanted to let you know. Um, Well, I'm glad he went mad, because otherwise, what's he doing there? Um, (laughs) 
Anyway, what, did Luke call him Mister? Is that what set him off? I I don't know. I didn't go like, to space medical school for six to eight years. I he probably know. didn't like the way Luke was like tugging on the barkeep's sleeve. <laughs> well, I mean that's a good reason. Uh, let's see. Dresky's a cool cool booze from this dude's world. Whatever that is. Does he ever say where he's from? Is he from this place? He's one of these Pentarans. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole radiation exposure protocol that we get to see. Uh, this automated fountain sentry ghost. They never really talk about why someone would bother to protect this fountain so aggressively. Don't get our water! Like, no one's even there. Um, most... Yeah, they make... It's the most... It's, just, it's not explored at all. Nope. What this ghost is, why there's a fountain in this uninhabited desert. Why is it protected? Most shuttlecraft halls are made of duranium. Mm, Lambda Paz. That's a moon of Pentaris 3. I realize Crusher is the doctor and Data and Worf are not. But why do they just stand behind her while she whispers at Wesley? Do they not know <laughs> first aid or triage or anything? Like, they just stand there. No one's even looking at Picard. Uh, no, two people are already putting Picard on a stretcher. Oh, that's why they're just... Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so there are other medical personnel who are taking care of the issue. Okay, good, because they just stand there like, why are we here? What are we? Do we have a job? I don't know why they can't beam Picard out. Maybe there's some uh, some bad electromagnetics or something, probably. I had it as a two. I could see a three, but I had it as a two. Oh, I'm a two also. We have construction pods, standby fusion reactors that can be brought online quickly. Class M environments are just fucking everywhere. There's yeah. six of them in this system alone. Hell yeah. <laughs> but no one is remotely interested in this fountain or its magic guardian, and that sucks. Ben is a four. Yeah. Uh, what is the academy? Why are full-ass ensigns required to attend? Poor people use uh, old stuff like these phasers from the Star Trek movies mm-hmm. and... Uh, also, using a phaser to warm up rocks, that old trick again. Yeah. Characterization. In terms of characterization, uh, remember when Wesley learned to give orders and work with older officers? He doesn't. He doesn't remember. Do you remember when he bumped into that Ronso or whatever at the academy and knew he had to nut up with He remembers him? that because he, he fucking brags about that all the time. Well, this episode doesn't remember either of those things. <laughs> He's sarcastic and whiny and a real suck up with Picard. He eats it, for sure. The flip side is Picard comes off pretty good, and I don't care about anything that happens in the B-plot. So I'm a four on characterization. Okay, Uh, Ben's a five. Uh, Boothby, the groundskeeper at the Academy, is the last confession of Picard. Not anything about Jack Crusher or anything. (laughs) Nope. He doesn't have anything cool to say. Uh, Wesley's getting another crack at the Academy. We're doing mine now. Wesley studies Federation law, I guess, just part of his general education that he's getting under Riker. Um, Wesley can't be cool in front of this guy. Just starts talking shit about him before they he's even leave. He's used to mouthing off on the bridge, bridge style. That's what I had written. He probably learned it on the bridge. Yeah. He dunks on this dude after he collapses in the desert. Just comes off to him. He's like, you fucking thought Picard was going down? You went down, bitch! And then just walks away. <laughs> it's totally unnecessary. Um, he says to a critically wounded Picard, you'll handle him, sir. <laughs> I mean, yep. what? 
yeah, I don't want to leave and listen to your advice. I don't care about it. You because you're here. You're gonna do it. You're my daddy. You you're gonna do it. Uh, yeah. I'm here with daddy, so I don't have to deal with that. Dude couldn't even open his eyes, but Wesley thought no. he was gonna take care of it for him. <laughs> no, Durga was like, that dude is gonna die. <laughs> no, he isn't. Shut up. And it's okay that I'm saying that in front of him. That's how quickly I think he's going to die. <laughs> he's not gonna know ten seconds from now what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, Wesley just wants to make his new space dad proud. He probably wouldn't take losing both space dads very well. No. Um, and then I had think of how much better Wesley's whole character would be if this really was a series wrap on him. If this was it. You, know, you don't love the stuff we see in the game, The First Duty, and uh, Journey's End? It's not amazing stuff for sure. Um, Picard big dogs this pilot so hard in that cave. Takes his fucking dress key and tells yeah. Wesley to watch it while the guy weakly protests. <laughs> yeah, he does. And then he doesn't, Picard doesn't even look at him. He just keeps giving orders to Wesley and going about his business. It'll be more useful as a coolant. There's about a quart of it. I don't think it's going to be that useful as a coolant. <laughs> what are you even going to use it for? Like, what are you, you going to use it for? Dab my forehead gently with the dress key, yeah. Wesley. Like, I don't think that's the best oh, use. That's a nice sensation. <laughs> Uh, Picard sings when he's delirious. Uh, he thinks he's dying, and is it's the same song he sang after his fight with Robert. Maybe he's, whenever he gets his bell rung, that's the song that he sings. Um, auprès ma blonde. Uh, pray for a blonde. That's a good one. Uh, he he thinks he's dying again, and his last will and testament is introduce yourself to the groundskeeper. <laughs> that guy must <laughs> yep. be legit. Uh, he's Ray Walton. He knows how to get all the good porn. <laughs> In the future, it becomes hard to access can, porn again. He it's... can he can get you on the teacher's Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's right. He's got a code for. He's technically on staff. He can get you on the good Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, anyway, Picard is overcome by emotion when he says he envies that Wesley's just at the beginning of the adventure. I guess that's maybe an indication of how he feels about his place in life. <laughs> He must be nearing the end, he thinks. Not just today, but like in general. Um, Troy is worried about Crusher, but how does she not know that there are many reasons the shuttle might not have made it to the colony is not very helpful. Is no. one of those a good reason, Deanna? Or What's just good one? various good one? nightmare scenarios? Are they floating in space? could be on a secret mission we've never heard about. <laughs> it's just like... What am I supposed to do with that? There are many reasons. Maybe maybe they died of explosive decompression. Uh, maybe the ship burned up in the atmosphere. Maybe the ship broke down and they're having to eat each other. Maybe one of them's already dead. They ate him. It could be. Maybe Wesley's not the one who got eaten. Um, Crusher plays it way cooler with Troy than I would have. And then she's very ready with radiation protocols. She actually kind of did a good job on this one. Yeah, she was distracting herself with work, but, like, also she had a lot of work to do. There's plenty to do. Uh, Riker shows maybe he knows about piloting when he says they could still have safely made it onto one of the planets with one thruster. But I don't know if anybody cares what he has Uh, to say. We will later learn that somehow he's the best shuttle pilot on that ship. But Jordy could do it. Jordy could do it, <laughs> but the man you want is command. We both had the same bullshit job running cargo to Jupiter. Jordy, 
Jordy's not going to pass up the opportunity to toot his own horn. Like, he's, I could do it. But the man you want is Commander Riker. Um, there's enough going on with Wesley Picard and Durgo to give this a good score if Wesley didn't suck so bad as a person. If he wasn't just an absolute piece of shit, whiny little fuck. So it's a five for me. They don't give him a good final mission. <laughs> no, this episode's called Final Mission, but it didn't say good final mission. No. I want the director's cut. It's called Good Final Mission. Um, Quick hitters. Please. In my TNG recasting, the this Captain Durgo is for sure played by the guy who, who plays Jeremy Jam. <laughs> yeah. And he's just playing Jeremy Jam. <laughs> he thinks uh, Wesley's his best friend. <laughs> yeah, by the end, he thinks Wesley's his good buddy. He wants to make him eggs, but you know, uh, he's wearing a he's wearing a kimono. It's good stuff. Yeah, was he stung by bees? I forget what was going on in that scene. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot happening. Uh, the soundtrack when the shuttle is going down is exactly out of Final Fantasies seven through nine. So <laughs> I guess true. now we know Nobuo Yamato is a tracker. Uh, the Enterprise just looks so good from underneath. That scene where it flies up next to the scow. It's a better angle for sure. It's like, oh shit, that looks good. Anything that obscures that uh, awkward neck is a good angle. A weird cobra neck. Yeah. Uh, Picard's arrow, not the best I've ever seen. <laughs> no. He didn't take any time on that. What if they didn't understand what was happening there? Well, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit problematic because the the two wings of the arrow are the same, almost the same size as the shaft of the arrow. Yeah. And then they're like, so it, it just says E. And then he has them at this really broad angle where you're like, I wouldn't necessarily know that was an arrow. I mean, I hope I would probably, but like, you don't know, maybe not. It would be great if there was a scene where they went down there and uh, <laughs> Data looked at it and said M for mountain. And they went to the mountains. <laughs> they just got it right. Just happened to. Yeah. Just nailed it. <laughs> and then he says, Good thing you left that big M for us to find so we knew you were the mountain. And then Picard doesn't say anything. He just goes, yep. That's what I did. Um, again, this fucking guy going, caves are created by water, right? Bro, you're standing on the stairs. Hey, you're buddy. on them. This cave was created by a man. This person did that. Water doesn't do that. A man with the same foot size and stride as you. <laughs> Some kind of humanoid person did this. And then again was Durko's plan to to fucking rush headfirst into the fountain. I mean, I know he was thirsty, but he sprints into that force field. This is how Durgo got the job to bring Picard there. He was just like, they said, we need someone to go pick up uh, Picard. And he was just like already going to his shuttle. In a way, I kind of want to give this way fewer points because <laughs> you'd think from the first scene that we were going to find out not to prejudge people. And that this Durgo guy is going to turn out to be pretty okay, despite how rough everything looks. But then he turns out to be the absolute worst, not just in attitude, but in intellect. He's, He's a real sack of shit, for sure. Awful. He is Jeremy Jam in Star Trek. And you just go, oh, no, I guess we can just, we can look at someone and know, I guess. Oh, this time it was okay to judge a book by its cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the book is titled Bad Book. <laughs> well, I guess that was a giveaway. Yeah. Uh, Ben's quick hitter. Beverly's on the bridge in the other seat now. Uh, callback to garbage scow. 
Um, it's not clear why it mattered whether the barge got destroyed in the asteroid belt. I don't know. Maybe it would irradiate the asteroid belt. Maybe that would matter for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, again, I promise this do- it does not bear any scrutiny, no, that plot. They don't care. It's vi- it's bad, and it will continue to be bad. Uh, what about you? Quick ones? Sure. What kind of horse shit atmosphere does Gamelon 5 have that it can't protect the people from radiation on a ship in orbit? Uh, yeah, it's not good. Like, there's so much radiation in space. Also, every mission that we humans here on Earth have ever sent to the outer planets has gone right through our asteroid belt yeah. with no problem because space is fucking huge and even the asteroid belt is really, really empty. Yeah. Not in sci-fi, though. No, not in and Wing not Commander. not just Star Trek. All, all of them. Fucking Wing Commanders. Fucking asteroids start coming at you. Uh, an, a, a, a drift ship coming from outside the system will have a huge relative velocity and definitely won't get caught in the orbit of a random planet. Yeah, it'd swing right by. Or would, nail, also, or would nail your planet, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Enterprise only has to tow it to escape velocity to get it free from the planet. Like, I guess Riker wants to be responsible by taking it right to the sun, but Data should be able to calculate just like a short burst from the engines that'll send it to the sun. Yeah, why can't like, Data calculate a, it? Should be a couple of seconds for hey, him to figure out. Riker, why can't Data calculate it? Hey, hey, Riker, are you paying attention? Why didn't Data calculate that? That's, um... A little suspicious. Also, I don't know if you huh. saw... There was a weird glitch in the turbo lift earlier. You saw the new operations officer's got some kind of scar, and you better ask him. <laughs> you better fucking be cool and ask also, him on the bridge. Also, hunched over in a real sinister way. <laughs> you better ask. This is probably the most egregious of all countdowns. Star Trek loves countdowns. Uh-huh. Lethal radiation dose in 10, 9, <laughs> 8, 7, yep. 6, 5. Same, same dose for everybody yeah. of every species at every point in the ship. Also, but what's since supposed they to broke happen? Off, at that, Since after, they broke off with three seconds left, everyone's fine. No one even needs a nap. <laughs> after, after three seconds, are they all going to immediately drop dead? Apparently. <laughs> That's what the computer would have you believe. Uh, yeah, it's not good at all. And then Wesley's objection to Durgo's plan is that he doesn't know that the thing will target the phaser with the higher frequency or whatever yeah like it seems like that's what's wrong about the phasers that's not what's wrong about the plan <laughs> well there's a lot of things yep what's wrong about the plan is that he apparently forgot that it would only take this thing a second to encase the first phaser in uh fiberglass and then it would be free to come after him yes so within a second and a half they'd <laughs> both be done for yeah because if you watch that's what happens first it goes and knocks out wesley's phaser and then it's done with that so it goes right to durko <laughs> yep who just keeps firing. Well, he's sure so he's got it figured out. His plan was even stupider than it seemed. Yep. Yeah. I give best actor to Picard, worst actor to Chancellor Sanji. Mm, we are helpless. Come and <laughs> save us, Enterprise. Oh, boy. Well, we did well, it. That's week, that's week 82 in the books. I don't feel good about it, but we did it. Yep. 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 In fourth place with 25 points, which ain't even that bad for last place, frankly. Nah, it's fine. Voyager Hunters. I mean, it wasn't good. I was a 13, you were a 12. We were very much in step on that one. Yeah, it only got a five on premise, so what are you going to do? Third place with 30 points. TNG, final mission. We were farther apart on this one. I was only a 13 and you were a 17. Yes. Uh, second place with 35 points, Enterprise, The Forge. Again, we were pretty close. Uh, 
its big score was execution, which is I don't know, that's always that's tough for all of unusual. them. Unusual. Uh, and the winner uh, with thirty-seven points, Deep Space Nine: Paradise Lost. Deep Space Nine's twenty-fourth win. Yes. To be fair, it was my number one and your number two this week. Yeah. <clears throat> Although it was close. Yes. It was close to being my number one. Yeah, not a great score for a winner, but uh, it, overall the week was decent. No, yeah, the 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 week average was thirty one point seven five. That's uh, that's in the top half for sure. Yeah. The last week that was uh, better was week seventy three. It was brought down by Lights of Zatar, but it had Best of Both Worlds, uh, The Visitor, The Raven, and The Council, all of which scored pretty good. So yeah, DS Nine is now nine behind in wins, which you know, doable. It's surmountable. Yeah. There's a lot of episodes left. Deep Space Nine is the last one to drop off uh, before uh, TNG, I think, gets three on its own at the end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have a... Uh, Jeez, they have 90 weeks or something. Okay, so is the... To make, up, to make up those nine wins. Is the good news here that we're finally off the clock a little bit? <sighs> it is the good news, uh, because last week was a Star Wars week, but next week is a mailbag. It's weird, I really do feel it. I feel it when we do the Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Star Trek, it's, Star Wars, Star Trek, I go, Ugh. one. It's one movie to watch and one thing to write up, and yeah. it's like, that's not that big a deal. We did that double episode of Deep Space Nine that one week. Yeah, but yeah, But still, I mean, woof. Yeah, it's just not great knowing that that thing is hanging over our heads. Um, so yeah, next week will be back to Mailbag. We have a project to discuss. Yes. Uh, so, we'll unfortunately, we were, given, week. we were given a lot of details on it, so it's going to be hard to brush off. I think we're probably going to have to do it. I just, I can, I cannot say this strongly enough. Don't want to. I know. We, we told him it's going to be a short bracket. Cause I only know four songs. And then sure enough, he provided 64 of the fuckers. I am surprised there are 64. I didn't know. I didn't know. Anyway. And I was very shocked. Cause I thought there were only 32. And then I moused over and saw the other half of the bracket. <laughs> Like two hours after I'd initially looked at it, and I went, "No!" <laughs> You'd already sort of internalized what you yes. were going to have to do. I was like, and "Oh, thirty-two, so many!" That there was literally twice as much. It was, it was hurtful. It was very mean. So, send us mail. Yeah, mail back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At brother date on the Twitter machine. Brothers at brotherdate.com on the email machine. After that, we'll do week eighty-three of the Star Trek project, and we'll be watching the loss. Ooh. Crossfire. You'll get caught. Well, that's how I mean. I hope. <laughs> Unfortunately, Deep Space Nine won this week. Uh, so what's what? What was last place again? Voyager, as always. Uh, Voyager. We'll be watching Prey. So oh, yeah. MC Hammer yeah, probably going to get a nod. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Awakening. Does that mean you're going to play Son of the King? The trilogy. I should play Son of the King. <laughs> it's a real long week. Oh, let my choir sing. You heard your feet. The enemies shown defeat. Defeat. Uh, it's right. not spelled the same, but yeah. We'll see. Um, that's what we're doing, everybody. Thanks for playing along, Ben. Um, and then, I don't know, see you guys at game night? Is there a game night this week? Should we just say it? Is our audience is the same as I the mean, people who play games? Yeah, probably. Okay. I'll just have to send out the invites tonight. All right, everybody. It was, it was great. It was really good. Appreciated everything. Thanks. Bye. I wanna, I'll put my face into the brain and I'll see what he thought. Let me taste his thoughts. If I lick it, I'll be able to sense what he sensed.
Give me the catfish, Doc! <laughs>